Sir, All right, we're yes, live. We're, we're live. We, Boom, baby. We're live. Uh, we're 98th live. installment of Plane, or sorry, 93rd installment of the Plane to Win podcast series. You guys are in for a real treat today. Uh, Mike is an absolute dope soul and a champion in life, and he does play to win. So I want you guys to uh, grab a pen and a piece of paper and take a few notes because uh, this is a man of many, many talents that I ran into in a uh, rally this summer. Um, let's start with that, um, kind of like the Batman origin story, like how we cross Sweet. paths. Because normally with these car rallies, and I've done quite a few of them, they're they're mostly like exotic cars, uh, always gasoline-powered. I think you were the first guy to bring a tesla on a rally and probably a lot of people were whispering under the breath like who's this dude with the tesla? whispering nobody was whispering i was getting murdered in the chat were you <laughs> yeah man yeah so like i've always had gas cars i have a 911 turbo uh, i've had an r8 spider you know the cheap man's Lambo. um yeah. but i was like oh, i want to try something different and obviously because i'm in the car space and i just like to do something unique so I thought, man, you know what? When when Elon's like, we're gonna launch this, we're gonna launch the fastest car, four door sedan. And at the time, I was married, so I'm like, you know what? Nobody can really go in this RA. It's just me and my kid. Three of us, we can't go anywhere. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna buy this thing, and maybe it's gonna blow up on the channel. Well, mm. guess what? It didn't blow up at all. In the U.S., all the cars blew up. And I was the second one in Canada to get it, and when, and I can tell you a quick story. The same money I spent on this car, I spent 180k plus taxes. If I spent a little bit more money, I could have ordered a GT3, I could have RS, and I could have had one, and now it's worth 300, and my car's worth 110. Yeah, so I like, know they've oh. been they've been slashing away at the prices of all electric cars, and Elon's been slashing away at the price of Teslas as well. Uh, interesting like that you say that. I was out with Serge the other day. Um, I think he was on the rally in the summer when yeah. you were there, and he brought his black GT3. Yeah. And he just took delivery of a gray GT3 RS, the 992 generation. Yeah. I took it out for a drive close to Superburger up yeah. north. I don't know if you've ever been up there, but there's some nice yeah, twisty yeah. roads. Yeah. That yeah, thing yeah. is insane, dude. It handles dude, corners like nothing you've ever driven. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. It's not it's not super fast, but on yeah. corners, it's ridiculous, dude. Oh man, it's amazing. Anyway, yeah. yeah so rally, that's how we so cross paths. The rally for sure, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um it's like pay how, to play, right? Pay to play. Pay to play. Yeah, I'm gonna be good. You gotta pay. Exactly. How was that car for you on the rally? It's like, amazing, was it? Man. Because oh, I thought, like, that's not going to work. He's got to deal with the superchargers. You got to wait like a much longer period of time to top up the battery versus sure. four or five minutes to fill up a gas for tank. Sure. How did for that work sure. out for, for you sure. over over that road trip? Rip, man, really well. I mean, the car rips. There's there's nothing on the rally that could beat me in terms of yeah. obviously straightaways on corners. Obviously, the 911s that are modified can totally kill me, or even non modified turbos would totally beat me. But the car rips, man. It's comfortable. You got all this stuff on. You're watching YouTube while you're driving. It's it's pretty awesome. <clears throat> but I will tell you, when you do have a supercharger that's far further enough, you have to kind of like figure out, okay, how am I going to get there? And because these rallies aren't pre-scripted, we don't have the information ahead of time. We're only in the information the morning of or the yeah. night before. So we're like, how do we get where we have to go? So it was great, man. I To be honest, my whole life is all about either like cutting it close to air, you know, to your plane or like trying stuff that I've never done before or... Just, just, I mean, as we get into this thing, you'll see everything I do for the most part, I have my stable business, I make money and I have stuff that's in the middle that I'm trying to mix mishmash so I can make my lifestyle amazing. And then I have stuff that's totally out the left field that I'm like, it's probably gonna fail, but it's okay. I'm, I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to try the failure or at least test the failure to try to make the failure less on a business that I can, you know, compete or, or, or win at, I guess. That's kind of yeah. my, my whole like mindset is, it's all about mindset. I mean, at the end of the day, right? It's all about mindset and moving. So, but yeah, my car's amazing. Uh, obviously, it's right here, losing money. Oh, right here, losing money, all kinds. It's like you buy if you bought the G wagon, you're making money. If you buy the Tesla, you're losing money. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so there's the deal, you know, but, but no, my car's amazing. Obviously it fly, it's, it's crazy fast. It, it, it makes my bones chill. Um, but speaking of that, I just picked up a bike yesterday and I'm excited about I it. I saw that. The BMW S a thousand double R. I'm like, who's going to win the Tesla or the BMW? <laughs> so I'm a real, uh, obviously I, I wear adrenaline junkies. I think we just like speed. We like stuff that we can, that we can buy and experience and all the stuff we dreamed about growing up to, to buy or at least have, you know, <clears throat> I'm so blessed to have that that opportunity to do so right so now that i have it i'm like yes i'm gonna dive in no matter you know how old i get or or what yeah. people think about that that what i'm doing you know i just do what i want essentially have you sure. have you always had your motorcycle license has it been a while since you've been on a bike yeah man i moved um i used to live in dubai so i was born i was born in belgium and i moved to dubai when i was six months old and i've been in dubai till I was 17 i moved to canada because i wanted to drive and in dubai you couldn't drive until you're 21 and then i moved to canada i moved to london ontario because my mom was like you can't go somewhere with too much drugs so we can't put you in toronto we'll put you in london so i, I went to like boarding house and in, in london and uh and the only way i could drive from a to b was not in a car because you did graduate the licensing so it would take about a year to get it but you can mm -hmm. do an m1 you can write a freaking test and then after that, they're like, here you go. Here's your motorcycle license and you can drive, you know, in daylight. So I'm like, sweet. So I went and I bought an EX500, a Ninja. I and I was those. the only kid in high school going, like dual exhaust. I'd have like three, two people in the back, three of us, go, like, you know, yeah, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. like pooling this to high school. And I drove it all through winter. I crashed it like seven times. Obviously, really bad days. I took the bus. But most of the times I drove it all. It was crazy. It was crazy. But that was my my gateway to understanding. Well, you know, you just got to try to find the loophole. And everybody's driving cars and I'm there freezing. But it kind of made me harder and i used to have like all these like like you know walk these walkmans at the time with your tapes and like yeah. your disc man and all that stuff you know what i mean just trying to enjoy your life with whatever you're given i think that's that's the deal but man that's how the car kind of thing starts a little bit like the excitement about vehicles yeah um, and also in dubai my dad used to my dad's a really big desert guy we used to just go for two days in dubai at the time the weekends were thursday friday not like it is now saturday sunday mm -hmm. so for me moving to canada was always like i was like what a saturday sunday don't we like go to school but in dubai it's thursday friday so we would always go in the desert we'd have like we'd have at the time it's called nissan patrols or mitsubishi bajeros they're just like trucks or suvs you know they call them trucks and they call them trucks in dubai here they call them suvs but uh, there's so many stories because I want to like layer all these stories up because my ADHD, but, mm. um, in Dubai, we just kind of go out in the desert and we just go wild and go crazy. And that's how I got the car thing. I started, my dad taught me how to drive when I was 11 nice. and that's kind of grew my, grew my, grew my thing. And then when I came to Canada, I, you know, I worked in this car at a performance store and I, and, and I realized like the power of like networking and meeting people and putting people together and kind of sales and, you know, you kind of have to get those things, but the base of my life has was always been cars. And obviously as I become an adult, then it's become real estate. And as I become real estate, it becomes like, you know, attention. And then you get attention. You're like, man, I can seek these things that I want to want to find and buy. But, uh, but really the core of it, man, is, is the Tesla was awesome on the rally. Um, cars have always been kind of a thing for me, but now it's really just like multiple streams of income, making guys better. And so I, so I did this, I wrote how many streams of income I have kind of because i never actually done that i've never really been on a podcast so first things first this is in my brain i'm like i gotta tell rich this thank you for having me on <laughs> i'm so late to this Thousand thank you percent. for having me on man i saw all the guys that came before came in your podcast before me and i'm like man this is a this is a really great honor so thank you much appreciated yeah you've you've um you've done a lot with your life and you're well diversified and i only knew you from your youtube channel from accelerate tv so those of you that are new here and don't know who mike is uh, he's got a nice little business with um, YouTube running Accelerate TV, does car reviews. Uh, that's a yeah. studio in the background where he, yeah. where he does all of the, uh, you know, walk around and the car's got this and that. Um, you know, super interesting stuff. And I noticed that a lot of the stuff when you're outside, I'm like, that looks like Canada. Like, that's, that guy's definitely in Canada. <laughs> and then I saw you on the rally. I'm like, okay, I got to talk to him and see what he's yeah. all about. But 
this is probably like your your smallest stream of income. This this seems to me like it's more of a passion versus your roofing business and your real estate business and yeah yeah <coughs> yes me, the stuff you do in Colombia and the stuff you do with men for sure. For sure. So I kind of Can you explain all those I, sources. Yeah of yeah I, I I wrote it down. So like my first. Bless you. Um, my first, my first thing is multiple streams of income. So I started off with, with rentals. I bought my first student rental when I was 21, um, and I kept buying student rentals. And then after student rentals, that kind of dropped off, and I went into like low income or medium income, low to medium income housing. And then I kind of got rid of most of that, and now I have apartment building. So um, I had 144 units. I got split two years ago, so now I'm down to about 91 or so, which is still amazing. I love my life. Um, so I'll kind of go through it, and maybe we'll just dig into just jump around. But so first one is real estate. Uh, rentals and then I do real estate flips because in 2021 after COVID happened I realized man like what's going to happen is that the markets are going to get this huge influx because everybody's staying at home um, of demand so I started just pouring all every pretty much every all the dollars I had into, into flips so I did 16 flips in 2021 it was a really great year for me financially um, and then I private lend on those flips like not my own flips so when people come to me like hey so you do flips I want to get into this one sure I'll, I'll private private lend on that money because I know that mm -hmm. space um, and then I have a flat roofing company. So I've started like 12 years ago. I started off with re residential shingles and it kind of converted to flat roofing because I was in this in the space of properties, right? So I realized I'll do shingles, but it's so competitive. I'll do flat roofing. So most of my guys are from Colombia and that's why Colombia has been this like gateway for me. Mm. Um, the next step is renovations when I'm doing like flat, flat roofing for like industrial buildings and they have like leaks and stuff like that. It helps have a contact with the owner and I'm pretty good at like, you know, budding up people essentially. Um, and then from that I build you know, uh, like renovation. So I do reno renos. I mean, I obviously I sub it all out. I don't have anybody in house that does like that type of renos, but um, that's an angle. And then of course, YouTube reviews. I used to work at Audi. So I was like a big proponent of believing that, and I still do, that you have to have a full-time job to get the T4s because the government requires T4s to get properties for the most part with banks. So I stuck it out and I just like held my <clears throat> my tongue for a lot of years um, selling Audi. So I used to sell cars. So I, I've sold cars. I was the youngest, longest serving um, Audi salesman in Canada. Uh, I worked at Audi for almost 17 years. So a really long wow. time. And I just put all my time and effort into making this really strong contact list um, relationship building. And then so it just be like referral business. So I just basically sat there and just got referral business when I was sitting at the dealer and I worked on all these other side businesses. So I was a really like believer and it was like my comfort. I felt like home. Um, people would always say like golden handcuffs, golden handcuffs. The only time I really felt that, to be honest, was when I had people across from me and they were like, they were always look, people always look down on car salespeople because car yeah. salespeople are like, oh, I'm the coolest guy in the world. And on the other side, you're like, I just want to buy a car from you. And I know you're going to rip me off. And that was never my, I mean, the car business, now we have 7% markup on Audis. We don't make that much money. Yeah, they're it's pretty not like, small. like Chrysler and, you know, you're not trying to sell like rust proofing and like, you know, like rate differentiate rate differential. We're not doing that stuff. We're just simply yeah. educating people on a car. They buy it. Anyways. So when people across from me, they would kind of like judge me a certain way. And I would tell them about properties and stuff like that. And they would just kind of blow me off. And I'd see their eyes wander. And I was like, man, I'm like, and it's not like I'm trying to prove myself on one hand. I'm like, man, I'm. I can blow, you know, I can blow doors off your, off your bank account, but that was never my thing. I was not like, Hey, I'm, because money doesn't make you who you are. Right. So it was never like the money piece, but it was more like, man, I'm not getting the respect by sitting here, but I need to sit here because I need to, you know, I need to, for me, it was like getting these big buildings. I needed those big buildings. And even though they stand on their own two feet, I never wanted to, because the way commercial lending works in Canada is that the, the building kind of stands for, stand for itself and residential is like, it's about me, right? I'm the human because I'm going to live in that house. Whereas like apartment buildings are, you know, they stand on their own two feet. The banks are going to look at the apartment building, what it makes. They look at me, but more as an operator. So for me, it was like staying consistent with what I was buying and giving them a book and saying, hey, this is who I am. This is where I work. I got consistency. I'm not self-employed. I never wanted to run into those issues. So I kind of just stuck it out with Audi. Uh, and I loved it. It was great. It was like five minutes from the house. It was Everything was really great for me in that way. Um, <clears throat> but I'll get into that a little bit later on, on kind of how that broke down. Uh, the next one is something called IDU. It's called Income Diversity University. 
Um, and that's because, well, I have a studio number one and I really wanted to use a studio. Number two, I am getting older and I feel like I have all this information and I, and, that's the men's and, community that you set yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I was out at that studio that you guys are looking at there a couple months ago for Mike's event and he's got a world-class, uh, group of men that he, that he teaches, you know, a lot of these principles to, sorry to interrupt, but carry on. No, 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 absolutely. So, uh, what I realized is at that exact time, I found when COVID happened, I realized like I'm stuck. I'm looking around and I'm like, what are people doing? Everybody's watching TV. Everything's frozen. I had four deals in the pipeline for real estate that weren't closing. I had one buy and three of my closes. They were sitting there and nothing was happening. It just like, it's like the world froze for like six weeks, let's call it. Uh, that was the first thing. And then I didn't, I didn't really have, I had friends and buddies and car guys. And then just kind of being like who I am, essentially you have friends, but those friends were not deep in understanding what are we doing? What's the next move we're making? I felt like I needed people around me that was like, Hey, this is like thinking like me, or at least giving you a different perspective. And I'm like, man, I got to make these dudes cause they, I can't find them. So I just started putting stuff out of like, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I'll coach 10 guys with everything I know. And if I give to these people, especially younger dudes. I mean, there's obviously older guys who are kind of stuck in their ways and really want to learn, uh, but younger dudes want to learn. They're spongy. And I felt like, man, I feel like I can, I can talk to the people that are older. I can talk to people that are younger. I'm kind of at this like perfect age kind of thing. And I feel like these, the, the information that I have, um, nobody can steal it from me, right? Like I know what I know and I'd make decisions of my experiences. So no matter how much I share with people, it, it, it makes them better, but there's enough, like there's enough food on the table for all of us to eat, you know? And that's what I really feel that if the more I give back, and the more I share with people, the more they're like, yeah, man, I love what you're doing and I want to be part of who you are. Uh, and of course it helps that I have the cars and I mean, I have a little bit of, you know, wealth because I've built it over, over all these years. So that mm -hmm. kind of helps and it puts some credibility. Um, and there's so much behind this thing. Like I used to, I used to, I used to pony back on different guys doing like house tours of like taking buses loads of humans or that were looking at real estate investments. And I'd show up at my R8 and I'd be like, and I'd be the guy showing my properties. So I was like this guy who's like in his twenties showing off these properties for sale. Um, and guys were like, who's this guy? Like, where'd he come from? Like, I never thought you could be this young, have a cool car, be in real estate, you know, and still have a job and still have like, you know, all these other like solid pieces. So, so yeah, man, so that's, so I, what I do now is so income diversity university, what it is right now is it's growing. So it's growing and I'm very adaptable. So it starts off with me coaching 10 guys, then me coaching 10, me, first me coaching 10 guys for two days, then me coaching 10 guys for one day. Uh, then me coaching 50 guys, but instead of me, me spilling and just me talking and talking, blabbering, what I do is I blabber for about half a day on what I'm doing, where I'm at. So I can have some sort of checkpoints onto the next time we meet. And also I have a big circle of 50 guys that we put in a circle and we talk about everything. We talk about relationships, how to be better, our failures, uh, you know, where we're winning, but I don't really want to talk about winning. And I definitely don't want to talk about how great I am that I've brought you here to put this thing on. I don't want to talk about me. It's about you. And I want to get low into where, where, you know, people's struggles, like whether it be new immigrants coming to Canada and just having a tough time on how to make Canada work and this dream they've been sold that's not real, uh, or Canadians that have been here for a long time and maybe don't understand the, the immigrant side of things, or Canadians that have been here a long time and see things changing, and then you know they're really like, what's going on with my world, what's going on with my country? Well, maybe you need to kind of set up at the box, step out of the box sometimes, look back and say, you know what, my real estate's gone up, you know, my 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 quality of food has changed because man, I have more options for so it's just kind of looking at, at the world like a bit more positively, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like trying to figure out ways that I can improve. So one of the things I've really kind of tried to work on is like my, my food, how much food I put in this body, because as entrepreneurs, we don't think about our bodies, man. And for the most part, we're just like, we'll go, 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 go. How much money yeah. can we make? How can we put ourselves out there? How can we make ourselves bigger and better, but not in our body. So I've been working on, on trying to figure out, you know, portion control for my body, what I'm putting in my body, how much sleep I get, all those type of things that are obviously like important for guys that, you know, eventually will kind of have to 
be all rounded or, or more rounded. So mm. that's kind of IDU. And there's a little branch off to IDU. And I felt like when I was doing these 50 guys, I feel like I needed some guys to actually make a big change and not just come here for all night. We started at eight in the morning and, oh, and the last one we entered, at, we, I got home at 4 a.m. So we started eight that, in the morning yeah. and four in the morning, man. It's like, it's like these guys do not want to leave. They just have this love and they're like, <laughs> where's like, where, I've been looking for this. We went whole for night. hours when we were talking with those guys. They were, <laughs> dude, they were plugged in, man. Like they were, they were ready. Like they were hungry for that information. Hungry, it was man, a hungry. really good time. It was a really yes, good time. Yeah. Yes. And, and that, that's what gives me passion and gives me like energy and and that's what I want, man. I want I want dudes to just get better. I just don't want them to just suffer internally, you know. So, anyways, it's about putting it out there. So, but what I've realized is that the the people that the people that come here and want to make the changes just don't have enough time. So then I'm like, okay. So when COVID happened, simultaneously with IDU, is I was like, okay, Canada's not just doing this for me. Everything's stuck here. I'm gonna get on a plane uh, at the time with my ex-wife and my kid, and I'm going to travel through whatever let me in. So we went through Mexico. We did the whole Tulum thing. I looked mm. at property there. Uh, then from Tulum, then we went to uh, Costa Rica. I did the whole like Samara, Nassara. I did the whole Manuel Antonio. I did that whole side that all the Canadians, they want to get the jab. They went over there um, and, and you know, to get water permits. And it was building. It was very expensive at the time. Like it had blown up. Like most Canadians will always go to Costa Rica a few times in their life. I mean, mm. so I've been to Costa Rica a few times before that. And I realized that Costa Rica was just going through this huge like blow up. And Costa I was like, Rica's okay. Like, I'm not a big fan of Costa Rica. It's 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 got like the black sand beaches, the dark water. Yes, yes. yes. You know, Surfing the is amazing. thing's cool. <laughs> um, you know, it's very like almost bohemian. Um, yeah. Some big ass bugs down there, man. I've seen centipedes like on the wall, like <laughs> fucking this. They look like snakes, dude. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, they fly in, and you're like, what? Yeah, it's yeah. It's you know, it's like a lot of rainforest. I mean, if you like that stuff, then that's cool. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I th I think, man, I think that you have to like. It's like, and I'm jumping around over here. It's like thinking about augering toilets. I realized that for me, if I need to not spend the $300 on my heart, life was hard. I would auger that toilet myself. I would get, you know, when you, if you, you'd like open up like mandarins and oranges, you get all that yeah. stuff in your nails, you get mm -hmm. shit in your nails. And then you'd go home at night and you'd scrub these nails and they wouldn't come off. And that's just like a reminder for me of like what, you know, what you kind of have to break through to get past it. So like bugs, for example, I was never, I hated bugs. And it was like itchy. I saw cockroach. I'd run like 500 feet away. You know, I didn't like that stuff. But now, man, I don't care. I'm like good with it. If a roach comes up, there's no roaches here. But if there were, mm. <laughs> I would, I'd be okay with it because I realize, man, you have to kind of like just put up with it, put up with it, deal with it mentally, like, you know, conquer whatever's in your mind and, and whatever that happens to be, you know, obviously it would be roach. For me, it was roaches. I was like, oh my God, I see roaches and I'm like gone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Anyways, um, so Costa Rica was kind of like a thing. I went to Costa Rica and then I just felt like Costa Rica wasn't something I placed my money. It just didn't feel right. I feel like there's not enough upside. I feel like I was going to take the wave. And when does that wave come down? I just mm -hmm. was ready for that. Uh, from there, I went to Panama and Panama. And at the time, my ex went back. It was me and my kid. And then we went to Panama. Uh, and Panama was completely locked down. Like, it was really locked down. Like, really? I'm saying locked okay. down. It was locked down to death, man. Yeah. Worse than and Canada? Way worse than Canada. Really? Like, yes, wow. dude. Like, like that. if we had, like, RCMP on the roads and, and OPP, you know, coming – and. I, there's no comparison, man. There's no comparison. Oh, okay. And it's be, and I think it's because the U.S. wanted to make wanted them to be the staple of like, hey, this is what they're doing. This is what everybody's got to follow. And because obviously all the goods flow through, we control them in yeah, a certain they run the way. Canal. Yeah. So, but then I was like, okay, this is cool. If everything's locked down, then obviously people are kind of scared, worried, and you know, like you have to make moves when people are scared. And that's exactly what I did. So I went there and I found a, I went I went shopping and I found this small, cute two bedroom condo just on the outskirts of this like UNESCO heritage area. It's actually on the inside, but it's on the outskirts of where they're trying to develop. So it's kind of, it, it's, it is gentrifying and it is getting better for sure. Um, but they are, but they are offering one big thing and that made me, made, made, made me make the move. 
and that is they were offering 30 years, no taxes. So I heard nice. 30 years, no taxes, and you can get 3% under the interest, the average interest rate, which was six at the time. So it was three, it was like 3.2% and you can mortgage over 20 years fixed. And I'm like, mm -hmm. this is a great deal. And I paid 120 K us for it. Brand new apartment, turnkey. No one's lived in it. I think this is, this is a good place. Um, so all this kind of stems from at that time realizing I can't have all my money in Canada. I just can't. Did you and become I don't a tax resident of Panama too? Um, so I'm, I'm work, I'm working into that space right now, yeah. but I think that, the, I think Panama is a tough place. Cause I think you totally get flagged from Panama. I think, it's, I mean, some people, it's kind of hard though, because if you're Canadian, you, you yeah. have to abandon your, like almost your, your, your residency tax. here exactly, 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 and exactly, not really exactly. own anything to pass mm -hmm. the test with CRA. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, man, no, I'm fine with that. I'm, I mean, what people don't realize as well is that part of what I coach or talk about really is like, I don't really coach, but part of what I talk about is having different styles of different companies. So I have seven different companies and each company, they all make money. You can't just open up a company and lose money, but they all have to make income. And out of that income, I have stuff that I can write off. So if I'm traveling somewhere, that's, has a, that's a purpose. So now I'm building mm -hmm. Airbnbs in Colombia. When I fly from Toronto to Colombia for to manage the Airbnbs, that's a business write-off. There's one. If I go if I go to a restaurant and I want to eat and I'm having a, a meeting with a roofing guy, well, I get you know, I pay for that. Entertainment, yeah. Exactly, man. So there's so many silos you can write stuff off. So what people don't realize in Canada, unless it's passive, so obviously like some of the buildings I have are in a corporation, those corps are going to pay passive. So you know, marginal tax rates, you're going to pay as high as 50% for some of that stuff. So I get it. You just try to, you know, you, you need to know, you need to use your brain on where you feel like you got to make money and pay the 12% you know, tax base or whatever. But, right. but to Panama, in terms of having or understanding that that is a great place to put your money because it's US dollars and that seems to be fine for now. Um, put your money in US dollars and it was it was some money going somewhere other than Canada. I had this cash and I'm like, look, I'm going to spend, you know, let's call it 20% of my money. and I'm going to take 20% of my money and I'm going to take it out of Canada just to get diversified in my funds. I don't want to I don't want to put money into the stock market because I feel like I can't control it. I like to play around. I like to experiment. I like to toy around with where my money goes. And I feel like, man, I have the energy. I have the brain power. And I do like the stories behind it because there is a story element to all of this. Right. At the end of the day, we are. I would say entertainers, but we are like going through our lives saying, hey, like this is what I'm doing. Maybe you can get better or learn from this. And that, and the only way that people can learn from me is if I go out and I experiment and try different things. Mm -hmm. so, so Panama was that. And the other like benefit that I learned about Panama is, is flights. If you fly, want to fly from Toronto to, to Panama City or you fly from uh, Toronto to Bogota, as an example, it's way cheaper to go from Toronto, Panama City, Panama City, Bogota. It's just way cheaper because using that as a hub, it just drops where your flight uh, I wouldn't say continents because mm -hmm. Panama is the last one in Central America before you hit South America, which is Colombia. But you fly from Toronto, North America into Panama, and it's still like the same cost. It doesn't have a different carrier, you know, base adjusted higher or whatever. So that's 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 the really great thing I learned about Panama. Also, Panama has a great waterfront. So I just I arrive there. It takes five and a half hours to get there or five hours and 20 minutes, whatever. I fly there. I'm in my apartment in 20 minutes. I throw in my gym stuff. I go for a run a four and a half K this way, four and a half K that way. It's a beautiful waterfront. Everybody's like lively. Um, it's a very, it's a smaller country. Uh, there's about 4 million people or so. So it's not a big country. And Panama City has about I think, one and a half, two million people. So it's kind of a small, the right size. There's tons of towers because there's tons of money. They have great restaurants. Um, it's higher end. It's, it's, it doesn't have maybe a wide spectrum of, of, of culinary, you know, food and stuff like that. But it's, it's more, it's smaller. It's more conservative. It's, it's just a different space, right? So it's a great mm -hmm. for retirees. And then where I'm at is it's in a UNESCO site. So it's, it's like an old area. So there's all this old area. Is, is really good for like tourists. So it's very big on tourists. You have the ships that come in. So I'm like, oh, there's, you know, I, I feel like putting my money there is safe and it's great for what I do in my lifestyle right now. Um, so that, that's, that's the first part of where I take people, but it's also the first part of where I put my money. 
Mm-hmm. Then the next part is Columbia because most of my guys are from Columbia that work for me here and uh, that we, you know, that we work together on the roofing stuff. So those guys were like, man, you have to go to Columbia. You have to go to Columbia. And one guy in specific is like, man, you have to go to Columbia. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. So I went to, I went to Cartagena years and years ago, but it was too hot. Anything along the coast on the Pacific side there is just boiling hot. Like Panama is boiling hot. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do anything boiling hot. I'll go to the, the center of the city, which is Medellin. Some people call it Medellin. Medellin. So, um, this is the funny part. Two L's in Spanish is pronounced Jean, like Jano Grande, not Lano Grande. So that's why it's called Medellin, in my opinion, not Medellin. But we can fight okay. in the comments, guys. Fight in the comments about this. You know, <laughs> you know how um, it goes on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait till they fight. They're like, this guy is skinny. This guy doesn't even talk about. This guy just did. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Um, so then the next one was, we'll talk about funny YouTube comments in a bit. But yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but so the next one was Colombia. went to Medellin, beautiful city, world-class. Um, and I was like, this is the place I got to put my money here. I'm, I'm putting my money here no matter what. Um, but the problem is, is like trying to buy a place in downtown Toronto or New York, you have to pick a, an area and be like, that's my area. And then you'll go to another, another area and you're like, Oh, I like this area too. I like this area. That's the problem with cosmopolitan city. You don't know exactly where to pick, especially when you, when, when it's like a, uh, maybe a transient place or one that you're not putting all your all, all your eggs in at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, let me go check it out. So I went on YouTube and I started watching a whole bunch of stuff and um, on Medellin. And it's like the it's like the top five things you have to do in Medellin are boom, 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 boom. Um, and the top two were always this place called Guatape. And so Guatape, I was like, oh, what is this? So we took an hour we took an hour drive to this place, and it's basically like it's their first lake town. So they have this huge, giant, massive rock on this place, and you can take helicopter rides from the city from Medellin into the rock and then back, or you can take ones there around the rock. But it's this touristic spot, spot, and it's still pretty underdeveloped. Um, now you have to remember that Colombia or Medellin specific or Colombia in general, first of all, has a bad rap of being dangerous and all that fun stuff. But what's what's also what's more is important. I'll get pretty deep into that stuff, but okay. the, the key here, man, is that Pablo Escobar is, has been gone for 30 years. We have, we have people for 30 years that are like, we have a beautiful country. And I don't know if you know Colombians, they're very patriotic. They love their country and rightfully so. It's been totally barraged in the last five years on like what it's about and how dangerous it is because people are spotlighting it, right? Mm-hmm. Is it dangerous? Dude, I'm in London, Ontario. It's dangerous now. There's B&Es, there's car thefts, there's shootings, Toronto, there's shootings every day for God's sakes. People are breaking into cars, there's scams. The whole world is dangerous, man. Is it dangerous when you just walk in the street, somebody hits you in the back of the head, takes your money? No, of course, if you're in certain spots, but man, if you're looking for trouble, it will find it. There's enough tourists, foreigners, people that make enough banks, enough of a community, enough, it, there's, I just, it, it's like, I'm, people think I'm Colombian. I'm not mm-hmm. Colombian. My mom's from India and my dad's from Belgium. And I grew up in Dubai. My life was very far from Colombia, but it's the same time zone. You have people that are very patriotic. You have a beautiful country that is, forget the cheap, because Colombia is not, certain parts of Colombia are cheap, but the good spots are not cheap. Location people know, man, and they will they will, they will know those, their value of their, their spots. It doesn't fluctuate like other cities that have no, no desire or, or used up cities or like, bastardized cities this is an up-and-coming space some um, of the and- comparisons that i've seen you yeah. uh post on instagram and yeah. i can't get it working on my desktop you know i wanted okay. to share <laughs> it with people but you can go to mike van hoot Out. i'm probably pronouncing your last name wrong right mike van hout close Out. It's all good. <laughs> Out. um yeah. but if you go to his instagram you'll see a lot of the comparisons and he'll do these walkthroughs in these gorgeous colombian 
properties. Okay. And it's like, you know, in Toronto for 800,000, you get this glass box in the sky with two bedrooms and a fucking shoebox for, yep. you know, like okay. a kitchen. And then he walks you through this absolutely gorgeous house on like a mountain with mountain views and lake views for like the same amount of money, often less. And I can see why, uh, you know, you promote it and you like it so much, right? Yes. Um, I mean, the people, listen, man, the people are a big one for sure. People always say like Latino women are beautiful. Colombian women are super beautiful. Like they're like, people are like, oh my God, Colombian women. They're like, oh my God, the prettiest thing ever. Yeah. If you spin a globe though, if you spin a globe and you close your eyes and you close your eyes and you just put your finger there, no matter where you land, there are beautiful women. Mm. So I think it's, I think, I think that that, from that perspective, it's like, oh, the women are beautiful. But dude, man, if you built yourself, you will find beautiful women anywhere in the world and they will be attracted to you no matter where you go. Obviously, you're not going to get every single girl on the, on the planet, but there will be enough dimes that want you mm. when you build yourself up and you you spend your time and, and you know, and confidence, all that stuff. But Colombia, man, it's same. It's, well, it's one hour before. So that's one big thing. The weather is absolutely perfect. So if we look, if as Canadians, we're looking for stuff to go somewhere to go in the winter. Everybody's like Florida. I'm like, dude, Florida is exactly like it is here. Just warmer. Like, it's the same thing. You don't break yeah. out of the same habits. There's no growth. There's nothing. That's the problem with what I feel with, with Florida. Um, if you go to Mexico, I don't really like Florida. I'm not a big fan. Ah, Florida. I mean, it's great boring. for like the first week. Yeah, boring. And then you're doing the yeah. same thing. It's having barbecues, going out with people, which you do everywhere in the world for sure. But when you have a different perspective and people care about what they dress like, people care about how they look like, people focus on like walking. Like if I show you my health, on my phone or how many steps I did when I was in Colombia, it's just, there's no comparison to mm. what I do when I'm here. I mean, that's obviously a personal thing. It's not going out there and saying everybody does this because obviously in Alberta and Canmore or, you know, Whistler, you're obviously- doing how, does, how does Tulum compare yeah. to Colombia? Cause I'm, cause I'm very familiar with Tulum. I've, I've seen it rise up. I have a friend down there that, that has some great real estate. Um, mm -hmm, you know, he's mm -hmm. got some good property investments. I stayed in one of his mm -hmm. Airbnbs earlier this year and I like it, yeah. but it's becoming too commercialized to, that's Americanized almost to some degree. That's How does Colombia compare to that? Just so I have some contrast and understanding. Um, so different. I've never different been. Yeah. So different temperatures. So, if, so basically, Colombia has the Pacific side, not the Atlantic. It has the Atlantic side, but or it has the north, the northern side essentially, which is a like Cartagena. Um, it's it's a tough one because Tulum is a beach town, right? Tulum is not an interior mountainous terrain it's not a nice what? beach town anymore though because they've got no, that so seaweed far. on the beach all the yes, time now yes. right for and the all last clubs few years that, it's always been there i know and all clubs that charge like 12 dollars for a bottle of water i mean i yeah. don't want to go somewhere where you, like listen man at the end of the day for me it's about keeping my lifestyle i don't have lifetime inflation although i have fancy cars all the time around me they have some value to them it's not like mm -hmm. you buy a car and it loses value but i like to i like to be in places that are fair for pricing i get it everybody's got to make money but i don't want to go somewhere and get ripped off everywhere i go and that's what i feel like or felt like in tulum also i feel like i'm I'm, I'm being somebody I'm not. When I go to Tulum, it's like, hey, I have to be part of this like clique, this group, this crew. And mm -hmm. then you lose that individuality. You know? Whereas if you go to Colombia, everybody's everything. Whether you have, you have people with no money and they work hard, they, whether they're not panhandling on the street, whether they're entertaining on the street to make money, whether they're trying to just sell, everybody's trying to sell. There's a small in, in, in the city in Medellin. There's a small, it's, it used to be, a, it's built by this Belgian architect. And there's like 400 stores and they're all selling the same fake Chinese shoes. They're mm -hmm. all of them. It's like, how do they make money? But it doesn't matter. At least they're doing some of their life. They're not, they're not sitting around waiting for the government to give them money. And I feel like we all get put in these little boxes. And when you go to Tulum, you're going, okay, well, I want to go see this DJ this time. It's great for like, it's like, 
it's like a buddy I have that I call him my medicine friend. I can take small doses of him, but I can't take him forever. And that's how I feel like Tulum is. You can't live there and be like, I'm going to raise my kids here. I'm going to move here forever. Not Unless really, you have yeah. real businesses, you can't do that, man. You know, mm-hmm. in Costa Rica, you can do that more for sure. But at the end of the day, for me, the only way I grow is by being around people that are different, that make my brain think differently. And I can use some of the advantages that I have that I've learned in North America and I can take them there. Um, But on that topic, though, I want to say that it's very important that you have a base in North America. You can't just be like, I'm going to move to wherever and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to build my life. Mm -hmm. Ah, You still need a base, man. And for me, it's like I have this base here where where I live. And I go back and forth to Colombia. I'm in Colombia every six weeks for about a week and a half. And then I come back or two weeks or so. And I come back and I go back and forth because I shoot film. Um, but Medellin is is kind of going back to that like question of of how is it like? Is it dangerous? The dangerous again, you can find it, you can find danger if you look for it. But the growth that you can get there is huge, especially in the last 10 years. And the Americans are there. They're not saying, oh my God, we're scared of this thing. The Europeans go travel there. To be honest, I'm really actually at this point, I'm really happy that not that people think it's dangerous because honestly it keeps some people away i feel like the only the ones that want to take you know what's dangerous people tell me that's dangerous where i have my condo in panama you know what people tell me that's dangerous don't go to venezuela go don't go to caracas it's too dangerous mm. i want to go to caracas i want to see how it's like i mean obviously have any clothes i won't have any nice gear on i'll just have my you know bummy clothes and walk around if i have to because that's what i do everywhere i go for blend the most in, part yeah. yeah you blend in right so i mean like what is danger man what it, what even is danger i don't even know like what do people classify danger? If I'm taking my newborn kid and I'm walking across the street, you think someone's going to come steal my kid and fly away? No. You hear a lot of these narratives about places like Dubai, for example, where it's so safe that you can walk around. It's, uh, you know, three o'clock in the morning. You can take your Rolex off. That's half a million dollars. Leave it on the table. Walk away and somebody will pick it up and bring it over to you and say, here, sir, you left this. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I can explain why. Okay. I can explain. So growing up in Dubai, I can tell you that all the big skyscrapers and stuff, there's no union. There's no normal human labor that actually builds these things and get paid fairly. No, they pluck poor people from from, from small villages in India, Bangladesh, and Pakistan. And they'll, they'll put these people to build houses and they'll say, you know, there's one guy like sales guy, like looks like me. They'll be like, you know what? If you come work in Dubai, we'll pay your family you know, 10 times your wage you're making here, you save it for the next three years, your family will be set for the rest of our life. But it's all bullshit because what they'll do is they'll on the back end, they'll say, you owe me this, you owe me for food, you owe me this, you owe me passport back, you want all these things. So they hold oh, your all ransom. The deductions. Yes, and they hold your, pa- dude, the labor market in Dubai, they hold that labor's passport. That person's not going anywhere. So you think that person's gonna come steal a Ferrari? Where the hell is he gonna sell it? Where's he gonna move the money? How's, how can he do it? That's the problem. It is in a vacuum. So of course it's safe. It's in a vacuum. And also the upper tier part, upper tier part of people, mm-hmm. like when I when I when I was in when I was in elementary school, uh, grade seven, I don't know what you call it here, but grade seven essentially, um, we had a friend uh, had people that were living in my building at the time, and this guy and girl, and we went out to the desert. Desert, it's kind of it's weird saying desert. It's like going to the going to like the lake, let's say here, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what the desert was there. It was like a thing that we do. There's sand, you make sand castles and you can run the sand, you can play, you can whatever, have a good time up and on the little hills. Um, and then there's these, these group of locals that came in their like little like Nissan, little Nissan, this convertible or Jeep. They were coming with their guns and their pigeons and their or falcons. And they were kind of like these cool kids that had lots of money. They came and they basically, basically we were running because we were like, we kind of knew that these kids were up with like these like 14 to 16 year old kids were no good. And basically what they do did was this is like, this, this shit will haunt me forever is they took this girl the one, because it was me, my buddy and his sister. And they took this girl and they were trying to rape her, bro. You know, and guess what happened? We, we, I mean, I just screamed, pushed, ran, we ran, ran, ran. We yelled for the mother. We all came, the Jeep left. 
And then we end up find, we end up telling the police whatever they found. Apparently, they found this these these kids. And guess what happens? Nothing happens to these kids. Nothing. Zero nada. So that's bullshit, in my opinion. You know, mm. there's there's rules that are made for some people and rules that are not made for others. And and that's not fair, man. That's not fair. And that's what Dubai has. So you have all these glitz and glamour, but so it's, it's not, not this a- utopian paradise that you bullshit, hear a lot of people bullshit, paint bullshit, and they're bullshit, trying to promote bullshit, it, right? Bullshit. Bullshit. But but at the same time, but at the same time, it's it's an ingredient in the in the food that we're eating. Like there's mm-hmm. a reason why there's a G Wagon behind me, and there's a reason why there's a Tesla behind me. Because viewers want to see that shit. That's why mm-hmm. Dubai is so popular. Because obviously, like it's this glorious space. Now, again, listen, I left in 1999. I went back once so far. And I will plan to go again because I have lots of friends that are like, come, 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 come. And I will go. Dubai is a great place, has great people. You have all the infrastructure. You can do whatever you want. The world is your oyster for sure to make money. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing I told this girl the other day. So she's she's in she's in Winnipeg and she's she's she went she's trying to travel, trying to figure out her life, whatever. Then she went to Dubai and she's like, I love it here. And she's like, What do you think? And I'm like, Well, Dubai will keep you broke, just like Manhattan will. But now for the first time ever, Canada will keep you broke. <laughs> and and that true. is something to think about because think about this now. Now you don't have to suffer in Winnipeg anymore. You can suffer mm-hmm. in Dubai. You yeah. can suffer in Manhattan. You can suffer in Miami. You can suffer in LA. You can suffer wherever you want because guess what? When you come back to Canada, you're suffering. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem with, with, with the newness and the people that were, that are coming into our country now. And that is why like I do super important and part of these things that I lose. So man, in the last six weeks, I've had deals. So I've, I've put second mortgages on a couple because I felt like oh, I'll take the chance of it when COVID was at, at kind of at a peak. I had lots of different risks and my risk goes high, low. Um, so I put out a second mortgage on a property I, I own. So the first came in, put up 600. I sold the place for 720. I put up a second mortgage. That's 120 grand. And, sorry, it was 100. I sold for, she put a 580. It was 160 that I was loaning out. And what, obviously she paid me interest for the, she, interest until interest, interest only. So she paid me for the first four months. She stopped paying me. Mm-hmm. Now that mark, now that house has gone down to 600. And now she owes me 160 of what I've sold, of what I owe on the first mortgage. Well, she can't pay me. She can mm-hmm. only pay me. She can't pay me anything because the house is worth this much money. So now it's yeah. being sold. It's being gone. So you have people like that that are caught in this little loop. But at the same time, me as an as a investor, I'm putting money and I've taken losses. Now I'm going to lose 100 grand on this deal. I've lost. So I'll tell you straight up. I've lost in the last four months. I've lost 100 grand on one deal, which I should if she pays me the 60, I'll lose 100. If she doesn't pay me the 60, I'm lost 160. So 160, uh, I lost 40 on, I lost, sorry, I lost 60 on a deal on this property on Gray Street. Um, I'm, I'm about to lose 40 potentially in Alberta. Um, and I have two, I have about 100K in this restaurant that I'm probably going to lose. So I, like, which people say, are you crazy? There's so much money. You lost money. Yes, I lost money. But man, it's the experience number one. I can talk about it. And I know how the cycles work and I have to lose. Like for me, it's like about losing. You can make money back. You can never make time back. That's, that's what people don't understand. So if you lose 50 grand, a hundred grand on a private mortgage deal, consider that a $50,000 education to learn that lesson. I've done a lot of private lending. Like I started doing this, uh, I don't know, like eight, 10 years ago, I've done dozens and dozens of deals. I've lost money on two deals. It's not as, it's not the great greatest thing in the world, but it's great when it works. You know, when the market conditions are right, very it is, safe. It is. It's great when it works, but when the market conditions change, that's when you're like, "Fuck!" Oh, cost me fifty-seven thousand dollars. <laughs> I know. And I saw. I saw. Listen, I still have a couple good. I still have some yeah. really good stuff. But I, I do think private lending is like, it's like the gateway. So think about a gateway. The gateway for me to bring people from North America to Colombia is a very hard sell. The first thing they think is it's dangerous. It's too far. It's potentially two flights because obviously. Toronto has one, Aerojet goes from Toronto to Medellin now. 
but it's really it's Toronto, Miami, you know, Toronto, Miami, Medellin, or Toronto, Panama, Medellin, or Toronto, Houston, whatever. You're basically mm -hmm. not taking one flight. So Torontonians or Ontarians are not going to be like, hey, I'm going to jump on a plane and go to Colombia. They're going to, I'm going to go to Panama. I'm going to go to Mexico. I'm going to kind of do these things. So for me to sell Colombia, I need a stop, a stop, and then Colombia. So it's a very hard sell, which is why I like it because it's the same similar time zone. You have you have great people. You learn great weather, man. Like it's called the city of eternal spring for a reason. It has mm -hmm. beautiful buildings, great views, great food. I mean, I can I eat I eat chicken, avocado, a little bit of beans, a little bit of rice, and a small plant. That's kind of what I eat when I'm there. I'm eating fresh juices. So all the good stuff that we love about when we go to Mexico, except it's all it's all just temporary. This mm -hmm. is full time and it's affordable. Like where is our currency going in Canada? Where is our money worth? It's not worth that much money here anymore, but it still has some worth in Colombia, some worth that will change over time because the peso has like, that's another thing. People throw, people are like, hey, I want to invest you. I want to put 50K with you. And then I'm like, okay, what's 50K going to do? It's going to give me a boss and you're going to be my boss because you're going to say, I give you 50K. What's going to, what's my money? What's doing with my money? Mm -hmm. What are you doing with my money? And for me, I'm like, dude, if you have 50K, put it in a, put it in a bank account. I will set you up with the right people to put in a bank account because in the last eight months, the forget how the peso is doing. It's. I mean, from what I have started where I am now, I'm up like 17% just on the peso exchange rate or the currency exchange. But putting my money into a bank, into a bank there has gained me in the last nine months, almost like 18% returns. It's as high as 24 and as low as 13. And Sorry, on top explain. of that, is that, the, yeah. is that the rate of return in interest? In interest, man. Yes. Now, you, there's a few caveats wow. to this. Number, number one, you have to How put it in How does the peso pesos. do versus the US dollar, though? Like, is it worth less over time or Dude. more? Like, Okay. So over the over the last long period of time, the peso has been declining at about 8%, eight, 7 to 12% a year. That's ah. why real estate's gone up by 10 to 12%. Okay. But because the world is changing and now this, we've kind of let in nomads, we've let in, they've let in, you know, all types of people to come in to sort of boost the economy because they want people to come there, work, spend the money. And so because they're putting the right people to come into the country, it's boosting up their, obviously their, their, their peso. The peso, when I, I'll like to give an example. The, I'm just talking about the Canadian dollar, not the US dollar. The highs of the Canadian dollar were almost 4,000 pesos for one Canadian dollar. Mm -hmm. I changed it at 3,600. Now it's 3,000. So I've made 20% on just the currency exchange rate and I could have mm -hmm. made 35% of the exchange rate. And this has only happened over the last like basically a year and a half. So I bought a 36, it went up to four. I'm like, oh my God, is the cur is what's going on here? And then it kind of came back down and now it's at 3000. And that's kind of where it levels off the $3,000 mark. And for the Americans, it's about 4,000 and it went to as almost as high as 5,000. So, um, so you have some value. So you can, you can just wait for the currency to change, but the quality of real estate there, man, I took guys there. So I take 10 guys every quarter from Toronto or from, they come from all over. I've had Saskatchewan. I've had, um, St. John's. Uh, I've had, um, uh, obviously Vancouver, pretty straightforward stuff. Um, I had, there's this one place in Canada I have to tell you, but anyways, um, we fly, they come to Toronto, we in Toronto and then we go to Panama first for a day. And then we do Colombia for seven days. Uh, two of the days I talk about my project in Guatape. We lit, we stay in Guatape. I show them the land. I get their people's opinions and visions because I'm a really big believer of listening to other people, right? Two ears, one mouth. Mm -hmm. So it's about kind of understanding that. And I show these guys, I'm like, this is my bank. This is how I move money. And this is how I convert, you know, it went from Toronto to Citibank. Citibank converts it to pesos, uh, sorry, keeps the US dollars. And then what happens is that the, the bank account here will go there. The bank, the bank institution will go from Colombia, will take this US dollars, convert it to pesos. And now your money's sitting in a, mine's in a very, very low risk account. And I have to put it in the markets. They will not let me just put it in cash and let's sit in cash. They mm -hmm. want it in the markets. That's, that's what they're, you know, things to do. But, um, <clears throat> 
but it's important, sorry, there's ADHD jumping around like crazy, <laughs> but it's, a, it's important to note, man, that when you take, when I take these 10 guys, the changes that happen with them through my little system here and showing them Colombia and showing what I do is, is amazing. There's some changes. There's a, there's, there's guys, there's one specific guy that tattooed IDU on his elbow, just in his commitment to what I'm preaching and talking about. And to me, I'm like, man, I've, I've made this guy's, this guy and many others lives I wouldn't say change because I'm not some, you know, I'm not, I'm just a guy basically showing my experiences and say, if I can do this, you can do this. I'm a normal dude, man. I wasn't born with like unbelievable looks and it took me somewhere really far. I wasn't born with rich parents that, that guided me or so were like here, they guided me, but they didn't, they weren't like pedestal up, pedestal you up, which I saw and I see in Dubai all the time. And it makes me sick. I'm like, dude, I have values. I have depth in my soul. Half these kids don't have depth in their soul. They just don't. Mm. So part of the system of taking guys there and watching them change for sure. You know, we, we, I do different fun stuff. Like obviously, obviously, obviously guys are always kind of tied to girls in some way. So I take guys and I'm like, listen guys, you know, we're going to write our names on a napkin. We're going to put our phone number. If, if you can hand this to a girl, you get a point. If you can hand this to the girl and she calls you, you get two points. If you hand this to a girl, she calls you and you meet her, you get three points. You know, so I'm, I'm, I, we try to build a little competition between us to be like, okay, we can do this. Then we have really deep thoughts about, look, man, like I'm depressed. This is what's happening to me. It's not working for me. I've tried everything. Like, I feel like I'm stuck in this rat, this, this little race when I come back home and how do we change that? How do we change the mind? And, and when you can do that, man, it's just so goddamn liberating. It, there's nothing like it. For sure, when we get into a relationship with a the woman, they can make us feel like that. They give us that dopamine, that hit. We can, you know, we can get that uplift. We can build a great life with them. They can help us get to where we want to be. We can help them get to where we want to be. This great uniform, unicity, peace, totally. But when you're a single guy and you realize that you go on your phone and all you're looking at is you're competing with like guys that are like, photoshopped half their photos and going these dates and they're getting coaching on how to like pick up girls and you're this guy that that doesn't really know any of that stuff and mm. you just want a brotherhood of dudes that are like man like i just want to be better yeah i want to improve i want to take care of my body i want where do i go that's the problem there are groups like that but there's not very many groups that will put you up in a studio like this we can have 50 guys go in a circle we have a setup where you have an opportunity to come and just you know di you know dive deep for nine days where it's just us talking about it everything i haven't tailored it yet to say okay this is just about real estate investors i haven't done that yet so that's kind of what i'm kind of working on um so yeah that's but dude and now you were telling you were saying about the, the videos of the house tours oh mm. my god oh my god it has blown up it is blowing up so on accelerate on accelerate we get so it accelerates me and a partner and mm. ian's my partner great guy he makes me look this so is the good youtube on channel with the, the car reviews. Yeah, yeah with the car reviews right so i was in the car business so i just transferred that from that skill set over to doing a walk around around cars and and ian really, really brings the like the visuals to life is and i bring the energy the editor the film yeah yeah, yeah. Film, okay. yeah my partner yeah exactly so yeah. he what he does is he makes me look really good and what i bring is the energy i study the cars um you know all that fun stuff so together we're a really good team uh, and we average about 1.5 million views a month uh, anywhere between like 1.4 to 1.8, sometimes 2 million a month, depending on like, you know, the flows, obviously for YouTube, yeah. for people that are on YouTube going into Christmas, this is game time for us right now. Mm -hmm. is like, this is for us, it's money time. Like we put mm -hmm. out as much content as we can. Um, so that's our metrics. And we, we our view average watch time is about almost six minutes, five minutes and 53 seconds, which I consider a long time for people to watch this for five and a half minutes. It's a long time. What do you time. get for a click through rate on those videos? Um, percentage wise, uh, it ranges depending on the car between 5% and, and 11%. That's kind yeah. of like the click through, um, but working over 10% for those guys watching is, is actually considered viral. It's like, yeah, it's called yeah. money. 
it, 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 it doesn't happen very often. Like no. I can even tell you right now, if I go to my analytics on yeah. my channel, cause I just published a video like 30 minutes before we hopped on Nice. and it should, it should show me like a click through rate on it by now. Let me just check on the dashboard. Cause I think YouTube mm -hmm. is like one of those questions that we can talk about. It says, yes. Yeah. So it's, so it's trending right now like four out of 10, which means it probably yes. like it hasn't published the click through yet, which, which okay. probably means it's like 9% yes. if I'm lucky. Yeah. If we did, if we see, when we see like three out of 10, two out of 10, when we see one, out, if we, if it comes out of the gate, like one, one out, out of 10, 10, you're like, we're like, like dude, yeah, we're like, killer. we're like, Oh my God. We're like, we're rich. We're rich. <laughs> give me the money. <laughs> but I mean like oh, the ad no. revenue off videos doesn't pay that much. Like, does it pay more in the car space? Yes. Yeah. It, it does. Sure, eh? per personal finance is number one in the YouTube space. Number two yeah. is cars for sure. hundred really? percent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like we no. get, I get, uh, from a numbers person, I'm very transparent with everything, but uh, 36, about $36 is what YouTube gets. And we get about 18 to 20 bucks for every thousand views. So it's okay. really good money, man. So if you do, a, if you do a million view video, we make 20K. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing money, right? If you try to put out there and I mean, the coolest part about like what I'm trying to build with my life, which I've got, and I've only got this space, uh, thanks to my ex-wife, because if she did not leave me, I would not have this life. <laughs> Can you tell that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, the ex-wife okay. story and how <laughs> yes, this all happened? Yes. Yeah. So we, we were basically, we were, when I moved to Canada at 17, I was this lost kid. I was like, when it snowed for the first time, I'm like, ah, this is amazing. I love it. Um, and you know, and growing up in Dubai, we did not have, um, we had a certain type of woman. We didn't have like all this variety. And of course, when you come to Canada, I'm like, holy snap, these girls are beautiful. Right. You know? So, um, so I went to London, Ontario, a very boring town. I sat, sat around and she was this girl she sat next to me and she was super nice to me. She was very kind. But I just honestly didn't have the confidence, didn't have the balls, never had experience with women. Uh, so I just, I basically felt the only way I, I would ever do anything was just to be her friend, you know? And she had boyfriends about so on and so forth. So um, now fast forward, uh, I, I stayed in touch with her. All, kind I was of like friend this, zone your way into her. Oh, heart. I was, never really dude, worked, I so. mean, I was the king of friend zones. Like nobody could friend zone <laughs> me. If this was friend zone, I'd be all water, baby. <laughs> friend zone is like. Friend zone is the best place to be. Friend zone um, game I, is like the default game for most guys. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure, man. And you know, that's all like nobody teaches us these things. No one teaches yeah. us entrepreneurship. No one teaches us how to be like how to be with women. Well, um, I do. And also <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. Um, but I I'd say that like the way we have to be as we grow up changes in, you know, depending on the demographic of woman you want. And also as a human, yeah. we grow, right? And and different times, man. The times also change as you kind of go along. But anyway, so she was a really great friend of mine. Uh, we kept in touch, <clears throat> obviously did my thing growing up, um, had a lot of long-term relationships. I'm not a huge guy to jump in and jump out of relationships for me. I like stability. That's just mm -hmm. who I am. Um, and then obviously at, uh, at 28, we got together, uh, 27 and a half, 28, we got together and I felt like, okay, she was at a, at a mental space that, that was good for me. I felt like this is my time for me. So we got together and it just was very just natural, whatever. Um, and then we had a kid, um, a year and a half or almost two years after, and then now he's 12. I think about that sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, he's 12. It's crazy. Um, so we had a kid at 12. Um, and then at, when my kid was 10, we split up. Um, we have different dynamics. So my dynamic is I like to be outwards. I like to spend time on businesses and energy. Not this guy that's never home because I was always kind of available. But my outlook on life is just broad, global. I mean, listen, like growing up in Dubai, you have this you have this need to be global. It's just the way it is. Everyone yeah. around me has traveled all over. All my friends that I grew up with are all over the world. They're not only in Canada or in Dubai, they're everywhere, right? So when you have these things where friends are all doing all these type of things, um, and I like building businesses, and I, when I feel like I'm really helping somebody, over the course of relationships, they do fade, for sure. There's no doubt about it. And 
the way she is, she's a homebody. She likes to stay at home. She likes to work on the house. And I have zero interest in working on a house. I'm like, I do flips. I do houses. To me, they're they're totally replaceable. I don't, I'm not into that space, but she was. And then over time, we just kind of separated. We just started becoming really good friends again. So we had a relationship, we had kid, and then we just became friends again. And so she was like, I feel like I'm just living with my roommate. And I want someone with like lots of passion and someone that loves me a lot and puts me on a, you know, put, essentially puts her on a pedestal and puts all the time and effort into her. And for me, it's like, yeah, I'll give you 20%. I'll give my business 30%. I'll give my kid 30%. I'll give my family 20 So I'm very split up upon how I do different things, you know, because I feel like, I feel like I was not, I was this body, this soul, this, this, the sacrifice that my parents made is not for a you guy. You said something there that was very interesting. You said that she okay. wanted to be pedestalized and worshiped. Um, I think, I think the key is man, is that she's a very pretty girl. So pretty yeah. girls growing up always will have that. They'll always have it. They'll always have a thousand guys wanting her. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, then you have a guy like me, that's like, no, I'm like family unit. I'm focused. I want to make money. I want to build it build the team around me. I want to build all this stuff. I cannot put my, I can do lots of things, but I cannot spend all my time on one specific human. I just can't. It's just, mm -hmm. it's not for me. You know, it is for, it's, it could be for lots of guys. And there are lots of guys in that space where they're happy just working their nine to five or they're happy doing their I business. Said that, that was interesting for a reason though, Mike, because yeah. women, they tend to get bored of a guy that puts them up on a pedestal for sure. too much, too long, sure. too often. Sure. And then they sure. sort of like get distracted by other things. Like hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, there's an old saying in England where I spent some time where it was, you've got to be a little bit mean to keep them keen. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not saying you like be an asshole, but at the same time, yeah. like I find it very interesting when women say like, I want to be worshiped. I want to be idolized. I want to be put up on a pedestal. And then when they get it, and that guy shows up, yeah. they yeah, kind of look at him like a beta male and they're like, I'm not interested sure, in this guy sure, anymore. Like sure, I want sure. the alpha that's like more distracted for by sure. other stuff. For sure. That's, that's bang on. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. That's exactly what happened. You know, I yeah. think that we get, we, it's, it's our focus can't be on, on, on another human all the time. At some point, you it's either difficult to manage that in a long-term relationship. Eh? It is. It's like, a full-time job. You make yeah. that commitment, you know, you have the kid, you know, you're out there chasing excellence, you're giving her time and you're giving her interest, but then they want yeah. more. But if you give them too much, more than what they want, then they get bored. They're like, oh, this guy's giving me too much attention. Like, why can't he just be doing something else? Why is he always on my yeah. feet? Right? Yeah, for sure. And, it's a and weird it's balance, yeah. isn't it? It's a weird balance, man. And it's, I mean, listen, man, I think that there's there's things I have to work on. I'm, I mean, even in my businesses, on some of my partnerships, I'm just way too nice. I mean, I know this, that I'm just way too nice. But I always tell my parents, I'm like, it's worked for me. And I feel like, you know what? The more I give back, it's more effort. There's more time. Because no partnerships 50-50. So even mm -hmm. the same relationships, there's no relationships 50-50. I'm like, I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent getting the money. I'm a hundred percent putting myself out there. You're a hundred percent doing the work the, the work at home. You're a hundred percent building some deep love connect. Whatever the, the dynamic is between relationships, no, nothing's 50-50. Everything yeah, somebody no. does more than something. It's just the, the doesn't, basis it of doesn't life. really work. It's all just yeah, it's made made believe stuff. Um, but yeah, for sure, man. I think that that so what happened when I got when she told me in my mind is my my focus is like, Hey, we're going to build a family. We're going to make this family unit be in a situation where we can travel, do all these type of things, which is what I'm doing right now. <clears throat> but I want to do it obviously as a unit. So when I came back from Columbia, she like dropped the news a day after I came and she's like, I'm just not happy. I feel like for me, it's, I feel like we're friends and I just feel like I want more. And, and, and I'm, and the problem is when you start a base of a relationship with, for me, at least when it starts off as major friendship, and then you try to go from friendship to like real, like lovers and passion and all this stuff, it's a slow climb. It's not a, it's not like, passion right away. You know, you can't have it for sure. I'm not saying you can, but to sustain that over the long period of time, it's more like common goal stuff. And anybody that's been, you know, been together for with anybody for 10 or 12 years, 
a majority of them fall into my category, right? So when that happened to me, it was like devastating, man. Obviously, like I was like, I had all these dreams and hopes. And of course, like this, this bottle gets pushed off the, you know, pushed off where you're looking, right? So you're like trying to figure your life out. Um, but there's a few things I, I knew, man. I, I knew that like, I knew that anybody I was around, my energy was contagious, number one. And number two is I had, I had two buckets in front of me. I had a bucket that I could pout and be like, you know what? I'm going to feel so, sorry and shitty for myself. And I did. Obviously, like I needed, the, I needed a few months in my mind especially when you go on Google and you go on Google and you type in, how long does it take to get over a marriage? You know how mm. long it says? Four years. I was like, four years. I'm like, are you crazy? Four years. I'm like, four months is going to be a lot for me. So Google's not like, right about everything. No, 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 no. So I, I, what I did was I just realized, man, there's two buckets. There's a bucket of like, man, there's the life that I want to live. And there's times in my mind, I thought when I was married, I thought, you know what, if I was alone or single, you know, the times you have issues with your, your, your spouse or partner, you, you're like, man, if I was single, I'd be doing all these things. And now I'm single. I'm doing exactly all those things. Mm -hmm. I'm not letting nothing stop me. And, and whether, you know, I get blasted in my YouTube comments about anything people want to talk about me or if something I touch fails, I don't care. Money comes, money goes. I am the asset. I know where I stand. I know what I've built. I know what I bring to the table and I know who I am inside. And I'm, and whoever's around me, including my family, I just want to, want to always make them proud, man. And I always want to feel like, Man, I'm standing on my own two feet, and I don't ever let myself get high, and I don't ever let myself get low. And that's, yeah, that's kind a of my good rule. Right? I mean, if you tell yourself, and especially your kids, you know, I tell my daughter this: I'm like, don't ever disappoint me, right? Yeah. Like, don't ever do anything that's going to disappoint me, right? Like, okay. I think that if you hold yourself to to standards and higher standards, you know, in your yeah. life, you'll always get better results. Like, you are. We've been going for what 57 minutes. I usually do these podcasts for like an hour, hour and a half. I could yeah. tell right now we could easily go for three hours. Okay. Sure. Like my next calls at one, I'll keep going until you say, Rich, I got to go. <laughs> no, I'm okay. good, baby. Heads I'm up. Good. Heads up. So I have a little list. I have more stuff to say. If you want, dude, I, I know. <laughs> I know. Like this is one of these podcasts I go for hours. hours um, no, and I think more people. guys, well, no, there's absolutely no boredom from my end, from my perspective. <laughs> and I don't think people are getting it on their end. Um, so I want to talk to you about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, let's talk about YouTube for a bit because yep. you're a you're a car channel um, yep. is what I tagged in the description, so you guys can go click it and find him on YouTube. Um, I'm I'm interested in some perspective on car reviews, how you built the channel, how you get the cars from either manufacturers or dealers, whether it's a press car or you get it as a dealer car. Yep. Um, you know, I, you're actually the first person that has agreed to talk to me about their car channel, believe it or not. Really? Um, yeah, I reached out to a few people over the years because the only videos that I watch really are car uh, videos, reviews, um, like Doug DeMiro is a big one for me. Like he's a big geek that just does like really captivating <laughs> videos, right? Totally, totally. Um, yep. Sailing videos, this right? Like is I watched the 2025. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quirks and features, right? Yeah. Um, um, and I do a lot of uh, sailing videos, right? Like I'm really interested in sailing and that sort of lifestyle. So um, I've reached out to a few guys that put out car videos. Like I reached out to Matt Farah at the Smoking okay. Tire. Uh, this was a couple years ago. Funny story. So I messaged him. I said, Hey man, you know, I've been watching your shit for a while. Yeah. Um, and my angle when I would message people would be like, he's a big channel. So I need yeah. to find something that is going to solve the problem for him to get his attention. So I went through his website. I'm like, Hey, you got a couple of broken links over here that I took a look at. You might want to fix, by the way, this is what I do. Would yeah. you like to hop on a podcast? And he's like, sure. yeah, okay, sure. And then I get a, a email back after I schedule in the podcast, um, 20, 
you know, 30 minutes later, because from the email that I was using, there's an autoresponder that goes to links yeah. and a bunch of my, my books, my products, my videos and stuff like that. And he's yeah. like, on second thought, I'll pass. And I'm like, really? Like what turned this guy off? And then I watched yeah, this yeah, interview yeah. between him and Doug DeMiro. The guy's a total socialist lib, eh? Like oh, he's like he's not about any of the stuff that I talk about, and I didn't realize that because because yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm watching yeah. him as a car reviewer. Yes, yeah. You're yeah. you're a different yeah. kind of guy. Like you yeah. and I sort of click in that yeah. way. Um, for sure, for sure. So I'm glad you're on here. So how did you start the channel? How did you get the cars? Like what's the process um, for reviewing the cars for you? Yeah, I I think man, in all of our lives, we go to a point where we're we're we do something and we're like, this is working, this is not working. So when I used to work at Audi, I used to sell a ton of Audi Q5. So it's a little small SUV. Everybody wants them. It's more popular. Very car popular sell. Yeah. So what I did is I did a walk around of the vehicle and I used to send it to clients because when they showed up, I didn't want to have to do an hour walk around every time. And I used to sell as high as 27 Audi Q5s a month. So for me to be like walk around the Audi Q5 hundred times would drive me crazy. So I did a walk around. I showed everything anybody needed to know so they could watch, watch at home with their kids, their wife, or whatever that happens to be. And that was like a quick link. And then when they showed up the dealership, my time would really get saved. I would not burn it. I wouldn't have to do five Q5 deliveries and take up my whole day. I could do five and take up like three hours. So mm -hmm. it kind of worked really well that way. Management hated it. They absolutely hated it. They wanted that personal bond, that personal touch. But of course, like, you know, the golden handcuffs from above were like, you have to do it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And I'm bringing client, I'm bringing money to the table. I'm not doing it. So I was really adamant of sticking to my own lane. Um, so I started putting on, a, I started a couple of them I did on, put on YouTube. Um, but this is going back like 10 years, man. And I used to do like, I used to do like Audi side assist, like blind spot indicator. So you're driving a car and there's a car coming next to you, light comes mm -hmm. on. I would show people how it would work on the highway at night as well as lane keep and stuff like that. And those videos get to like 100, 200,000 views. And I was like, this is crazy. And then I forgot about it. I totally just left it alone. Um, and then up to like three and a half years ago um, in 2019, yeah, 2019, middle of 2019, I put, I put a couple YouTube stuff like this walk around. And it would do well. So I did six videos by myself, five or six videos by myself, just me. Um, I had some kid help me at the time. And and the impressions I got was 4 million. So just if you think about numbers here, impression is when you see it on the side. So an impression is somebody doesn't click it. It's just a thing that you see on like your, you know, your desktop you see on the side. So I got 4 million impressions. So Audi launched this thing. So we're going to drop the Audi A6. And we're spending all this money. And it's going to get 6 million impressions over the next two months. And I'm like, okay, I got 4 million impressions off six videos. So I showed my own, the owner at the time. And I'm like, look, this is crazy. I want to do car videos only for Audis. Like I've been yelling this from the skies forever and nobody listens How to me. How long ago is like, this? Uh, this is 2019. Okay. So, yeah, 2018. So I, I, he, and he's like, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. You know, whatever. If you want to do it, you have to, you have to push the dealership. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, dude, nobody watches stuff from a dealership. They want a human. They want some face. They want a, mm -hmm. someone that bleeds. They don't want somebody that's like a, like a name for a brand. They don't give a shit about that. Humans want to watch humans, man. The, that's the deal. Those are the shittiest car reviews when you say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Bob from Tyler's yeah, Chevrolet yeah. dealership and here's a new it's Corvette. It's got beautiful don't lights. Think, don't think <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my god. So so what I did so I took I took that and I started doing stuff and I just I called it Audi Sport Mike cuz I was like the I was every a lot of Audi dealers if they can sell an R8, you have to be an R8 dealer to sell an R8. It's an investment the dealership needs and I was the Audi R8 guy. And I owned an R8, I drove one, I was like the Audi R8 guy. So mm -hmm. so I did like things about I was I called Audi Sport Mike and I was like You know what I used to have a V10 manual, eh? Oh, sick. sick. Oh, 20, yeah, how, 2015, 2016, uh, what year? 2011. It was, oh, it was white on red with a black top. It was a spider. Beautiful car. Dope, dope, yeah. dope. Man, Audis are awesome. They're all, I yeah. love them. They wouldn't give me cars for the longest time. And Audi head office still doesn't give me cars. It's the funniest really? thing. Really? But anyways, yeah, it's just politics, man. It's crazy. Huh. Um, and I'll get it dive, dive deep a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
what I did was I, I did I did the I did a bit of the walkarounds. I put online. Obviously, got a lot of traction. Um, and then I needed somebody, so I had a buddy that introduced me to Ian, who's he, we just we did the exact same thing, but we just did walkarounds, we did videos, and he was also learning at the time because we're, our growth is like we've got we both gained a lot, ton of experience. Um, so I, we started putting videos online, and then they started getting some traction. And we thought, you know what, man? And for me, from a business perspective, it just makes sense for me to get somebody that's committed to me forever. So I said, look, man, we're going to start this thing. We're going to split everything 50-50. Um, you do all the editing. You, you, know, you, you handle everything to make me look good, and I'll handle everything with the car perspective and the face and the studying. So we complement each other completely. We're not, we don't share any sort of self-interest. It's just, How did you I find this guy? Um, through a friend, actually, through a friend at the time, and yeah, it was just, it just worked, man. Sometimes just stars just align to. I'm and listen, when I when you meet me about anything, anybody that meets me, I'm always talking about where it can work. I meet I meet somebody that that I feel it's like there's a gap in their space in their life. I will try to mm-hmm. fill it with either me or I fill it with somebody I know or somebody that I've met, and I'm like, hey, I think you do really well with this. So I'm a really good connector. Like my connecting game is like on point. I'm very good at. Just understand, I, I'm very good at remembering names for the most part, and I'm very good at kind of understanding what somebody needs and what somebody has to offer and putting them together and being nice. that person that did so. It's really important so, skill. It's totally important thing, man. So anyway, so it, so going through that with him, um, and then Audi, Audi was giving me this whole like blurb about like, they wouldn't even give me, they wouldn't give me leads, new customers that walk in, they'd be like, yeah, don't give it to Mike because he has so much money, he doesn't need the money. They're playing this bullshit game, and I'm like, just trying to control me. They were like, just pulling all these like control tactics, and I'm like, I'm like, guys, can you not see that this thing is going to blow up? Like, I've got Audi spending huge money. We're sitting in meetings talking about this Audi A6 and all the money that Audi's spending. Meanwhile, this guy with like six videos is getting almost the same attention. Like, this is going to work. So I told Ian this. We built. I built this studio. I got these lights from China because this is the big play, right? This is the big thing that helped us. I got cars. And then I, then I said, I said, you know what, Audi? This is cool. I'm good with my life. I want to I, I work from home. So I told him, I told him in, November, in, in November of 2019, I said, I want to work from home. I'm taking my clients. I want to do my stuff on the side. I want to build my life. I have all these dreams. They were like, no, you have to sit in the dealership. And I'm like, I sit in the dealership. You don't give me leads. I can't do anything. And I just have to sell the same clients that I can do from home. They're like, yeah, you have to sit because you're, you're giving me special preference. I'm like, but I've been selling Audis for 17 years. I need yeah. a special preference. Anyways, they didn't give it to me. I quit. So I, I didn't quit right away. I gave them two months. They said it's not going to work for us. I said, okay, fine. See you later. So then in 20, 2020, I we I built we I built the, st- the studio. Me and Ian started filming in here. Um, yeah, so this studio is kind of cool. It's a it's a four thousand square foot. I cut it in half. It's two thousand square feet. The other half of it that you can't see has all my roofing stuff in it, all my renovation materials. Basically, like my shop on the other side, and this mm-hmm. is this is what I built out. So, uh, and I bought this space because I had a roofing job that required me to put in drywall in a fired building. So it was an eight unit uh, townhouse complex. And I needed to cut drywall. So because what happened is there was one fire, it spread in the attic and burnt the whole place down. So the fire marshal came in and said, the only way that this is going to be approved for insurance is if all these other eight complexes have fire-rated drywall. So you have to put drywall in the attics and the attics are all trusses. So they're all like squares of triangles and stuff, right? So you have to put sheets of cut out triangles of double drywall, mm. attach it, screw it, put fire caulking. So, I, so they, reached out to, they reached out to all these different companies to do it. Um, and then through a contact, it came to me because I like connecting people. We're like, hey, this 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 insurance company looking for somebody. And I said, I'll do it. I'll, and I'll do it even before buying this place. I'll do it. But I'm like, I can't do it out of trailers with my roofing company. I'll do it out of this place. So I came, I bought, I bought this place for 170 grand at the time. And I built the studio. So the studio is costing about 70K to build. Um, that's a little bit of a backstory of how this studio came to kind of fruition. But so now we're sitting, now we're sitting in 2020 at the very early beginning of 2020. So you're all in at uh, this point on this, on this car channel. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. man, I had I had money coming in from real estate streams from whether it be like my rentals. I mean, at the time I had a hundred and I didn't have a hundred. I had one hundred and forty four in twenty fifteen. Uh, in twenty twenty, I think I had a hundred and ten, hundred and eight. Remember, I used to go on those tours and I used to sell my shitty properties to kids that just wanted to buy because real estate was like the you know generational wealth and all that other BS. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I kind of sold all that stuff to to those kids that just were just desperate to buy anything. So I would do like weird kind of funky deals where I. Can't really talk about it on camera, but just funky deals, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, so anyway, so it worked for me. Um, so I had I had money, like I didn't. I basically had money. I honestly had money since I was like 24, essentially, because real estate's kind of helped. But um, so I, you know, so I did this. We built this. I built the studio. I always say we because it's I'm nothing without somebody that can film me, right? And mm. he's nothing without me. So it's a kind of a, a two way street. People don't so, understand like like editing is a lot of work. Like when I first yeah. started the Entrepreneurs and Cars Channel, my angle was to interview entre entrepreneurs in their success rides, and I did I think four or five episodes. And the work that's involved with the drone shots and the the edits and the on location, and then you got to do all the, the, like, you fuck up everything that you say, you know, for the first sure, 1500 sure, videos, sure, right? For sure. And then <laughs> for sure. I just didn't have like the runway and the car access to do it. So I was, so I sort of pivoted to making videos in my car, you know, around the same time. Anyway, sorry. sorry. No, 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 no. It's all good. Yeah, it's but it's good. a lot of work. Yeah. It, it is, it is a ton. I think it's a two-way street, right? I mean, getting the yeah. cars, building the contacts, you know, going back and forth. It, it's a lot of work on both sides, which is great that it's just two of us. People think there's a whole team behind us. It's just two of us, yeah. which is amazing. So I did this. Um, and then to get cars, nobody's giving me cars at this point. So I just reached out to a ton of buddies I knew, my contacts, whatever. Um, and we did we did one car that kind of, one, one slight thing before this, the way the channel kind of grew a little bit was this whole, remember I joked around right in the beginning, I said like people call an SUV a truck and a truck an SUV. Remember I was mm -hmm. joking about that initially? Yeah. So I did an Audi Q8, which is a sort of a, a, a smaller SUV and then Audi Q7 is a larger SUV. And then I looked at the grill and I'm like, and I'm like, look at this truck. Look at this truck. I love this truck. Look at the grill in this truck. And I kept calling it truck, 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 truck. And the internet blew up on my truck because it's not a truck in North America. It's an SUV. A truck is an F-150 and an SUV is a is, a, is an SUV, right? You know what I mean? Sometimes but pissing Dubai, people off with a video It's the right? only way, dude. It's the only way. Same with like my Columbia stuff. People are in there blasting of, of like, gringos, go back, stop gentrifying. People are like, Columbia is dangerous. And then you have people like, Columbia is beautiful. And you're like, what does the investment take? So I have all this mishmash of, of, of hate and love and care all in comments and then it blows stuff up. So that's what happened with the YouTube stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I gotta make, I gotta make not controversial stuff, but stuff that like kind of throws it off. So mm. first of all, Venergy. So every video, someone's like, how many lines does this guy do? I'm like, dude, I don't do drugs. <laughs> if I did drugs, we would be on a different planet right now. This is like normal energy Mike over here. And I've been like this my whole life, man. People have always told me, people have always told me the statement. They're always like, slow down, slow. If you wanna be respected, slow down. And I'm like, okay, sometimes I get it. I have to slow down. But for me, I'm like energy, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, so look, there's, that's there's that's who you right? are. You can't exactly. change who you are, man. That's the exactly. way your DNA is wired. That's how your programming works. Utilize yeah. it and exactly. and like double down on your strength, and that's what you've done with the channel, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I make like, and I'm always full of energy, and for sure, bother some people. And, and trust me, man, when I watch people, you're always gonna bother somebody. There's always somebody that's gonna exactly. be annoyed by your presence. Exactly, it's like, bro, man. Exactly. Fuck. I know. I'm like, dude, make fun of my skinny ass ankles. Go all day, please. Yeah. Just go in the comments and comment how skinny my ankles are. Tell me that, like, I'm receding hairline. Tell me. I need to hear it. Please. You still read the comments? 
No, stop. Not really, dude. Uh, I, 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 I kind of stopped reading them. It's like every yeah, once in a while yeah. I'll go in and I'll read something and some guy will leave some dipshit. I don't know. Like, rem- yeah. I mean, like the vast majority of it's positive, but then you always come sure. across stuff like sure. you're trimming your beard sure. wrong. Your mouth looks like a cat's <laughs> asshole and you got to <laughs> trim it this way. It's like, okay, fucking oh, champion of God. the world in my comments like this. You know? I know. I know. Well, listen, man, everybody's tough behind a computer. And, you know, you got to give everybody credit to where it is because honestly, like negative comments still help our channel positive comments yeah comments out. like comment away man like it always comment away yeah. exactly comment away so so then we so started doing this and then so i got so the the one about like the truck 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 that kind of blew up but then when we got the studio i did a buddy's rsq8 and that killed like that got over a million views yeah we killed so when we did a truck. i did a range rover sva autobiography same two friends um they're actually married um yeah they gave me their cars and that kind of blew up so i just started getting cars from everybody i could possibly get cars with and also i'm a huge car guy so i would buy cars it's crazy i would buy cars just to get them on the channel and then sell them and take a little bit of a loss because I felt like, man, I got to do everything to make this thing work. And if I think if, there was my... a time when Doug was getting uh, Turo cars where he would rent them for the day, <laughs> yes, review yes, it, yes, and then drop yes, it off. Like yes, I think there was yes. a time when he was doing that too at the early yes, stages of his yes, channel as well. Yes. And dude, and I've done. I mean, speaking of entrepreneurship, I've done Turo. I, I have a thirty-six unit building, and I've done with my ex. This was like maybe eight years or seven eight years ago uh, when Turo was just starting out. I put I put two cars. One specifically was a Ford Edge that I bought as a trade in, and I, and I paid eight thousand bucks for it. And I used it at Turo for one full year, and I made fifteen k on Turo, totally risking it because there was only one insurance company in Canada at the time that did Turo. Um, and and the only people that use Turo, and mark my words, dude, on this, this is factual information. The only people that use Turo are drug dealers. That's it, because they can move stuff from A to B with no license, they can make some bullshit ass license and a debit card and Turo will give them a car and they will use your car with your license plate because when the cops run the plate, they're not pulling that person over because it's me. Mm. That's why Turo is 100% really? I didn't to know move that, drugs. Yeah. Yes, dude. And I only know, I mean, obviously I know lots of things and yeah. this, this is kind of a side thing here. How but... did you know? Did you find some powder in the car somewhere or something? <laughs> I'm like, let's keep it all up so we can sell it. No, <laughs> I just... I just do. I, I mean, listen, man, I'm, I'm a really deep diver in, in, in everything to do, whether it's be, whether it's be above board, below board on the side of the board, I'm down for anything. Uh, and I try to explain this to some people and they're like, well, why do you want to know how scams work? And I'm like, dude, when you're going to Barcelona, what are they, what does everybody coach you on? What does everybody coach you on? Do you know? Yeah. It's be careful when you're in city centers. Cause there's so many scammers. Pickpockets, baby. Yeah. They teach you pickpocketing. They will show you how it works. And there's there's classes on how to pickpocket so you don't get pickpocketed yourself, yeah. which is one of my core bases. I need to know what's going on in the world so that, number one, I don't get scammed. And number two, I understand how everybody's mind works. And that's one of the core pieces, man, because everybody – what like it's just like it's such a long, deep, winding conversation. But back to YouTube because I'll get really passionate about this yeah, stuff. Yeah, the channel, um, yeah. But yeah, so the channel – so you film these cars, you get lots of views, and you start realizing, man, this is crazy. And then, and then, guess what happened? In in March of 2020, COVID happened, and everything got locked down. This studio was the, it was like the timing was perfect. It was like perfect. My old bosses were like, oh, what do we do now? Like, we can't sell cars. We have to sell something. What do we do? We do online. I'm like, dude, if you listen to me, I would have gone to the dealer and done all my videos and would have got all these car sales from people buying from me because I was online, but you don't have me anymore. Guess what you have now? You have somebody that's right down the street that's doing all this car stuff and I can film any car I wanted because this was my space. I can have a bed here and sleep here and I can film cars. 
Exactly. And that's exactly what I did. So I filmed all through COVID. I got cars from whoever I could get cars from all through COVID. We obviously got to stay within the restrictions, whatever, but mm-hmm. I got all the cars and everybody's sitting at home and guess what they're doing? They're watching YouTube. And when they Where watch you get YouTube, most of your cars from then at that time, was that yeah, through so now, like press cars or was it through yeah, dealers? So, yeah. So no, I don't. So there's a, there's, so we have a very, very weird dynamic in Canada. In Canada, it's very writer based. So what happens is that the, the, the speed at which cars are given to us journalists. So I'm actually, I've been as of two years, I've been a journalist in Canada. I've been an automotive journalist. And part of it is because I need the ticket to help. You have to register getting, with some kind of journalist guild or something. You, or yeah. So you have to have like a writer's guild. You have, uh, you have to have proofs of purpose of work. And because I, because I'm on face all the time and I have enough content and my face has been published enough times. Well, yeah, now I'm a journalist cause I am a speaking facts essentially. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's, so I try to make really energetic videos. And so I take these videos of cars of people that I've done. I take a few dealership cars that want to work with me. And then I take them and I, and I push that out at the same time. When I have videos that are doing well, I reach out to some of the contacts that I've had in the car business. I have, you know, like overlapping real estate humans that have either watched me on previous podcasts on property and they're like man that's crazy you're doing cars and i'm like yeah this is my studio would you loan me the shittiest car you have mm-hmm. so we'd get a bunch of shitty cars and i'd film them and then from there i just reach out to more manufacturers so now so every manufacturer has a press fleet that they'll give out to you know in in order of rating essentially like you can get most cars like most guys can get press cars in a you know in a lineup right so you're not mm-hmm. getting a car when it's first launched you're getting maybe six or eight months down the road um and it's not important for riders because it's only important for riders in canada when the car hits the dealerships but the problem is, is that for us YouTubers, most of our viewership is American. So the Americans want it right away. Now, my, now my competition is Americans watching the newest product. But in Canada, I don't get the newest product. I get almost the newest product on some brands and some brands I'm so far behind. It's mm-hmm. like my Tesla as an example. My Tesla was launched in March of 20, I don't know what day, 20, it's a 2021, 2021 actually. March of 2020, I think was launched, the Plaid was launched in 21. So at the time, world's fastest car, Car's amazing. I'm like, I gotta buy one. I put my order in um, then, and then I got the car. I was the second one in Canada to get this, the Plaid, but I was so late on YouTube that even though I was the newest one here, nobody cared about it. I got very little views in comparison to the car launch at the same time. So in Canada, we are competing with writers, and the writers don't care when the car's out as long as it can, as long as it gets the same time at the, at the dealership. But for mm-hmm. me, I'm competing with the newest, latest, greatest, and the only way I can get that is through Americans. And the PR department in Canada and the PR department in the States are they're like stay in your own lane you know when you're doing a launch we'll do a launch maybe we'll piggyback on your launch but then we only have a small amount of 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 spots and those small amount of spots are only used for people that have been a writer for a long time and it's only fair i mean listen man if you've been doing something for 20 years and you 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 know them in and out and you're writing for like the toronto star or wheel section or whatever that's your right to go a new youtuber like me that's just kind of up and up and coming it's not fair for me to take that spot right so I, i i really any invite i get i go i don't i don't care where it is i don't care where it is i don't care what car it is I'm going. I'm like I'm. I'm aggressive, man. I mean, what else is there? Do you start to, say, to right? get so, invites at a certain point, or are you getting them now? Where uh, like Lamborghini will call you and say, "Hey, we're launching a new Lambo. Come to Italy." Or Ferrari will say, "Come to Sardinia and drive the new, you know, two ninety six, whatever." Yeah. I mean, I would say to be honest, I would say that it's it's not there yet. It's not there yet. I, I don't think that. You see, at the end of the day, I'm still who could the the bosses. Let's call who are the bosses. The bosses are the PR people that want to, or the, or the media relations that want to give guys like me cars. They have to want to like YouTubers. And sometimes YouTubers are like, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. So they're putting themselves out there, spending their spending their you know their their ticket essentially on these three, four, five people. And if they can knock the car, that kind of restricts maybe getting the car. And some brands are open to you destroying the car. And some mm-hmm. brands are like, no, uh, man, if you're gonna do that, you're never getting a car again. So you have to balance it. And one of the things I 
did right at the beginning. I said, man, I'm going to be truthful. And if the car sucks, I'm going to say the car sucks. So now at least we have a following that's big enough that I can say the car sucks. And I've kind of always done that because if I felt like <laughs> a brand, a brand is not going to give me cars. Uh, I, and I will, the thing is, man, is that who likes a yes, man? Nobody, mm. nobody fucking likes a yes, man. We want somebody with some character. We want somebody that actually, actually like not castrates the car, but criticizes it in a positive way. Like, why are you putting all piano black on this center console? Like piano black sucks. It. I hate it. Yeah, you can see it's getting beat up. Why? Why are you? You're. You're. Listen. Listen, Porsche. You are keeping V8. I have that in my Turbo S. Piano black console. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. it but 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 Porsche is listening. So Porsche, what they're doing is now in their Cayenne S, which is a big money maker for them. They put a V8. There used to be a V6, but they're putting a V8. Guess what everybody else is doing? Like Mercedes behind me. Smaller engines. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. They're putting in a. They're putting a four banger, which is what everybody's doing. So you have some brands that are listening and some brands are like, hey, let's, you know, let's save the world. So it really depends on what brand you appeal with and what brand is, is in for you, right? So for every, every guy like me has two to five brands that we're like, that are committed to us. They're like, we don't care. We don't care. We're giving you everything. We're inviting you everywhere and we love you. And there are mm -hmm. other brands that have to fight and claw and say like, well, how come you have this car and how come you have that car? It's not fair. You can say that, but they don't give a shit. So they're like, mm. I'm not going to give you attention. I'll just build myself with these five guys that, are, that have my back and I'll grow, right? So, so to get cars, to answer your question, yes, they're all, um, so I'm in London, Ontario. Um, all the cars are in Toronto, so I have to drive every Monday. Uh, my sister, so I have a, I have a big, pretty big family affair. Um, everybody kind of has a piece because for me, it's about my family. And I feel like every piece of my life, uh, my family needs to be in it because I'd rather them do stuff for me than do stuff for somebody else and get paid by somebody else. I'd just rather mm. pay them the same money or a little yeah, bit yeah, more, yeah. you know, and have the flexibility. So my sister works for me. She she helps me with all the write-ups. She researches all the cars. Um, and at the same time as well, she helps pick up the cars from Toronto. So I don't have to, my time's important, right? So I can't go back and forth all the time. So she does that. Would you ever um, do, or have you ever done a video? Like, I think one of the videos that caught my attention on yeah. Match Channel on the smoking yeah. tire was when he did the uh flame spitting twin turbo 355 or 348 ferrari right and it was like yeah oh yeah. shit this guy's got my attention <laughs> i clicked on that and it did like millions and millions of views so i'm just wondering like have you ever thought about diversifying from new cars to like tuned or like specialty cars where you could put like a eye-catching totally. title to really get their attention totally i YouTube has changed a little bit though. I mean, you know, I mean, anybody that starts a new channel right now, it's, it's a disaster. Like trying to get subscribers, followers is very, very difficult. Hard, yeah. You know, it's very hard. Um, so I, I have to kind of stay in my lane. I mean, when I do try putting some stuff that's not aligned with new cars and reviews, people don't really like it, man. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we will try. I mean, I'm, I'm down to try anything. Um, you know, I mean, so I'm doing, I'm doing a friend. Uh, his name's Steve. He's got, he's got a, he's got a charger. I was, oh, sorry. For some, because so Chrysler, I tell you, Chrysler, Chrysler has banned me from giving giving me cars. This is like Why two years. Happen? I jumped from, uh, so you know the Mojave, like the Gladi Jeep, Gladiator Mojave. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. A, It's basically like a, it's a Jeep, right? It's a Jeep. That's but the pickup one, isn't it? The pickup one, right? Yeah, so yeah. So, yeah. so every video I watched this this thing, it was jumping. Okay, it was Mojave Desert. So what does it ex explain? It's jumping over little, like you know, it's the desert, right? You're jumping. Yeah, it's like a Baja so, truck. Yeah, it's a Baja. It's exactly it, like a Raptor, yeah. right? So I went to a buddy's like little spot, and I was jumping this Raptor, and we made it like super glamorous and super like not real. We made it jump like it was doing this jump forever, and like, oh, and this thing would actually do amazing, dude. It had great shocks on it. It was amazing. It's got like the twin, you know, so it just moves the, the oil somewhere else, so it can has more reach, whatever. Um, so we did this jump and I sent it to Chrysler, the guy that was getting Chrysler, this is like the fourth or fifth Chrysler we were getting and he loved it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is amazing, amazing. And then he's like, 
And then I'm like, okay, all's good. And then he would just stop responding to me. And then I was like, what's going on? And then I applied for this journalist thing. And when I applied for this journalist thing, they're like, they, what they do is the, they, they, you see that you applied, then they put it out to all the other journalists and say, and manufacturers and say, hey, this guy's applied. Do you have anything wrong, any issues with him? Let us know. And then I almost got denied because this guy was like, he's like, he jumped our car. He didn't respect our vehicle. I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, you love this thing. <laughs> That's how they sell these things. They put them in like video trailers and make them yes. look like off-road Baja racing yes. trucks. Yes. So, uh, and man, and for me, it was like, dude, I put, we put some time in production of it. I had this, this great compound. Uh, the guy's name is Mark Freeman, who's the compound we use. He's an awesome guy. He jumps like dirt bikes and stuff. So it was kind of, it was a really good setup for all that stuff. And I was like, this is a great video. It's going to kill it. And it actually killed, it actually did really, really well for us at the time. Like at the time getting a hundred thousand views was a big number at the time because we were just starting, you know? Yeah, yeah, so anyway, so he, he gave, he gave us this stuff and anyway, so we, so Chrysler cut us off. So anyway, so back to the steep thing about having this hybrid car, he has like a, don't, don't quote me on this, but I think it's like a 69 whatever the two doors I, I mean a car review guy i should know what the difference between charger and challenges but i don't think about chrysler whatsoever mm. so it's it's the uh dodge charger it's, it's like the, the dukes of hazard car yeah yeah exactly so the yeah. dukes of hazard car but he modified it all to make it all modern day so that oh, like a resto mod. it's a full resto mod and it's this nice. sick dude and it makes like inner horsepower stick it looks all retro like dukes of hazard but it makes like it's the perfect car so He's dope. He, he's cool to br let me bring the car on, on here. So that's kind of a unique one that I'm going to bring on. I don't know how yeah. well it's going to do, but I hope it does well, you know. Um, but there are but there are specific factors in having a YouTube channel on what cars we have to post. If I post sports cars, they poop. I post 911 Carrera T, poops so bad. I put a 911 Targa, poops. I put a Turbo, sort of poops. I put a Lambo, poops. I put an SUV, a Hyundai, whatever, a Telluride, a Palisade, a Forerunner, a Land Cruiser, this G-Wag. Let me guess. Let me guess. <laughs> Blows up for you, blows right? Blows up. Blows Some up. Boring regular shit. Shit. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> oh my god. So then I'm like, I'm like, then people are like, you must love your job. I'm like, okay, dude, let me think about this for a second. I love Lambos. I love fast stuff. I'm like a car guy that loves cool fast stuff, but it doesn't pay me because nobody want to watch one wants to watch me. So then I'm like, okay, if I do boring stuff, they'll watch me, which mm -hmm. means only one of us can be interesting. If I have an interesting car and an interesting guy, there's too much interesting going on and we're competing against each other. That's what I'm thinking. There's no so other. So it's kind like of... the car is like your co-host, and you're the host, and you're the interesting part of the equation, talking about the boring thing. Exactly. Trying to make the boring interesting. That's really wow. what I'm doing. You know, it's such a weird dynamic. And... Is it is it ever possible to have a more interesting car than you? Like it would have to be a wild car. It have to be wild for people. <laughs> thanks, to be like, for the oh, thanks for the compliment, but I don't know. You know what, man? I I think I think to be honest, dude, it's like. It's it's just like man, we got one life, bro. And honestly, like I just I love this space. I'm love what I'm do doing. You, man. Yeah. yeah, do me, man. And I think the cars definitely are a passion. There is there is definitely some boring cars, man. When I get like we have this week, we have this G wagon and we have this Kia um, or sorry Hyundai. Um, I can't remember what it was. Oh, Kia. Kona. We got mm. a Kona. I keep forgetting. I'm always like confused. I'm like, is it Kia Kona? I'm like Kia Kona. Just sounds way more off the tongue than Hyundai Kona. You know, out of <laughs> out of all of the cars that you've driven, because it sounds yeah. like a lot of them are like mainstream, kind of like consumer consumable sort of vehicles. For sure, for is sure. there anything like any brand, any lineup, any any specific uh, like sweet spot in cars that you've come across? You're like, this is a really good car for the money. It's actually interesting. It's fun to drive. The infotainment works. Like, is there a brand or a sweet spot in any brand or lineup or car that you're like, oh shit, this is going to be good? Yeah, I mean, I really as a car, not like as a video that people are going to watch, but yeah, 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 as a yeah, vehicle, like, you're like, this is like right here. Dude, man, oh my god, this is a really great way to blow up these comments. By the way, 
people are going to be like, this guy likes this, you know? Um, I used to really like the Hyundai Veloster. I, you know what? What's crazy? It's 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 cheap. Mm-hmm. It's light, sort of. It's it handles really well. Hyundai that's the three door one, right? That's yeah. Hyundai yeah. is really overcomp. Like obviously, like it's one of these things. Like obviously, you can throw this up in the air and say like, what type of people buy certain cars? And you can be mm-hmm. like, is it male? Is it female? And a Hyundai, Hyundai Veloster is maybe a little bit more skewed female, I think, than it is male. If I have to kind of pick it. Yeah. Um, but I'd say like from a car perspective, they've done a lot of time. They've spent a lot of time to make this thing handle very track you know focused um and it's a it's a great car turnkey great car i mean obviously like listen man this g-wagon behind me is three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. it's a lot of money for a box that goes down the street it's a shit ton of attention if you had that kind of money to dump on a car have fun with it and it gets attention if that's the, that's the deal for sure there's some tax write-off purposes when you get something that's over this thing weighs like seven thousand pounds it's 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 heavy so you can get the tax code of in the u.s so there's there's some basis to what things do but i think turnkey and get exciting the best way to answer this dude is three cars if you want the best car, it's three cars. You need a truck, you need a four-door sedan that hauls ass, and you need a sports car. That's it. That's the best, the best car. Because there's no, there's nothing like that exists. Because you can't exist it. It's like is there look, one in each styles, category right? that that you mm. would highlight? Yeah, I mean, I personally like. I mean, I do again, Chrysler product, but I do like the, I like the Ram. I mean, obviously the Raptor R is pretty badass. But if we're talking about your daily driver that anybody can kind of afford, because nothing really affordable anymore. Yeah, but, so let's do that. So uh, let's do trucks. The truck is Ram. Yeah, I do like the Ram. Yeah, if I'm talking SUV? about a car. Uh, SUV, ooh, tough one, man, tough one. The Porsches are really good, but I'd probably get this G-Wagon because honestly it gets so much attention. It doesn't handle the greatest, but it gets attention. And I think being unique and handling attention is really, really important. Yeah. So either G-Wagon or even like the, the Macan GTS is, is, is rips. The Macan GTS is dope. Uh, the You know what? I will say the Range Rover, if I had to point out something, the Range Rover, um, so the hybrid Range Rover, the, mm-hmm. the hybrid, it, it gives you a really good range. Like the the Range Rover range. is now a BMW, basically. They've got the twin it's turbo Indian. V8. It's Indian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's Indian, right, Tata? So yeah. it, it gives you a really good range. So when you want to buy a car that gets you from A to B and you don't want to use the gas engine, the Range Rover has really good range. They put a, oh, it's a plug-in a hybrid battery. now? Yeah. So what okay. happens is what I, what I find that all these guys that are putting all these plug-in hybrid, they put this really tiny, small freaking lithium battery or basically a really small battery that only gives you like 10 to 40 kilometers. Like, what the hell is that going to do, man? You want a battery along with a powerful engine that gives you like 100K. Like mm. that makes, that makes sense. Or in terms of miles, 60 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles. Don't give me like 20 miles. Like it's useless. Right. Cause then what's I'm plugging the, it again. What's the range on that Range Rover? Uh, Is it like a thousand kilometers. Now, like or... I think, it, oh, like in total. Yeah. Um, it depends on how heavy your foot is, dude. Like we don't drive, we don't drive light footage. Yeah, yeah, I was joking my buddy. I'm like, much. why do you, why do you even have a button? So I have these, I have these three, these jet skis are 300s. Um, and I have a whole bunch of ATVs that are, I have a liter ATV and I got an 850 or yeah, an, 850, an 850. I got a 570. I'm a big, I'm a big engine power kind of guy, which is why mm-hmm. everybody laughs at me when I drive a Tesla. But I always joke. I'm like, why do they even have the sports mode? Like it should come default. Mm-hmm. Why do these, why do all these like, you know, all these like, power sport machines have a sport mode you should only be able to adjust your suspension on a car you should not earn your steering but you should never be able to adjust how much power the car gives you mm. why right so like it's crazy so now moving and moving to the so truck you got truck you got suv and car and car, car, yeah, what's a car? 
9-11, man, all day long. Come on. It's not even a question. Really? 9-11, eh? Yeah, it's all day long. Which man. one in the lineup? Because there's so many cars in the lineup. There's Carrera, uh, Carrera yeah, I get, S, I mean, I, I, 4, 4S, GTS, Turbo, Turbo S, GT3, I, I, GT3 RS, GT2. I know, I know, I know. No, I just get, I do, I just do what you do, man. I get Turbo S all day. I mean, because it's just the Turbo S. You just turbo get in, press the, yeah. yeah, you just get in, press the button. You can tune it if you want. It's a daily driver. You, know, you can drive in the winter, you can drive in the summer. It's a great sound system. It looks cool. It's fast. It's decent on fuel. You can fit people in it. I mean, not a lot of people, but you can fit people in it if you have to. Um, if you get an accident, you're safe. Your resale value is strong. You have a great, mm. you know, you have a great dealer network. You can always run into another Porsche owner that's an entrepreneur. I mean, like, there's just no better all-around car than an i11 Turbo. There's just there's no better car. You yeah. can get these one-off things, like what I'm seeing. You know, you can get the Tesla to one-off. You can, I mean, there's not many not many dummies that will buy a Plaid, to be honest. There's just not that many guys that will buy a Plaid. If you give people, I mean, you can buy an i11 Turbo S, or you can buy a Plaid. I mean, the Turbo S is more money than the Plaid. Obviously, the, the Plaid came in at about 180 plus taxes, and the Turbo mm-hmm. S is like 250, so it's more dollars, but or 220, depending oh, on where you, you know keep, what you get it from. Keep going when you start. Yeah, yeah mine I know was, options. Mine options. Was three. Yeah, yeah. Do you want crested headdress? Yeah. How about like how about nozzles on your tires? What color yeah. do you want them in? Yeah. Do you want your brakes? What no, color? they get you know, with those. They yeah. get you, baby. They get, yeah. yeah, they're the the greatest salespeople on the planet are Porsche people that you know that design how to sell you a Porsche. I mean, they're geniuses. Yeah, and the owners um, are fanatics too, man. They're fastidious about the brand. Yes, man. Yes, they are. They are so very, very particular. What's so. the what's the ownership? Ex- like you're a petrol head. So what is the ownership experience in a Tesla like for you? Right. Like Terrible. I've never owned an electric car. I know that we're probably going to have to have one at some point. I know they yeah, get great economy, like three, four times better than a gas powered car. Yeah. I know that the maintenance is lower. You don't have to change uh, radiator fluid, engine oil, uh, clutch services, like any of these <clears> things. And the brakes probably last a lot longer because of the regenerative braking. So you just yeah. said terrible was the first thing terrible. you said. Yeah. Okay. Terrible. Go. Yeah. Terrible. Like, um, if you expect any sort of luxury experience or mm-hmm. luxury care, um, you'd get more care if you bought a Cavalier or like a Neon or a used one that you really? get a dealership with. Yeah, man. It's terrible. It's terrible. They don't wash the car, so they don't have the service to wash the car. They can't wash your car for you. So it's dirty when I pick it up when I drop it off. Uh, when they when I when I went to pick up the car, everything is done online. So I. I was like, I want to put 100K down. So I went in the system and I put 100K. Uh, and then I went to go pick up the car because you don't know when you're picking it up because they, mm-hmm. they won't tell you. They'll tell you like three days before. You have no idea. You're kind of in limbo where this car is. This is supposed to be a 2022, but only two cars were released as a 2021. And this was one of them, even though they came out like a week before the rest of the cars. And they wouldn't tell me. And I said, I want this car to be a 22 because I'm picking this car up in, at the end of August, September. And all I'm just going to switch the view so people yeah, yeah, can yeah. see the car in your background over there yeah, for yeah, a second. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so that was like my experience. The car came full of scratches. There was door panel gaps. I, I made a video on, I made like a, basically like a 40 minute video of all the BS that I had to deal with mm-hmm. endure in buying this car. Um, but unfortunately it's just like car guy in me is like, you hit the gas, the reaction videos I get out of this car are unreal. I mean, the car rips like crazy, yeah. but from a service perspective, the car totally sucks, man. It's, it's, it's a terrible, the car itself is not quality. The door panels are not good. The build quality is crap. The, 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 like when I touch the fenders, there's no insulation on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. The, the brakes are beyond horrific. This car does not brake whatsoever. It is a death trap. The brakes in this are terrible. I can't even tell you, dude. They're so bad that I have to, I, my, my anticipation of braking has to be on point every time. Otherwise, the car will not brake in order. 
Um, the only way you can get it is, so this car tops out at 278 kilometers an hour. In the, in, if you spend $20,000 and get the upgrade brake package, then they will unlimit the speed, the speeder to get to 344 kilometers an hour. Mm. The suspension is not built to do 344 kilometers an hour, and there's no way in hell that the brakes can hold up in this space, even at 278. I mean, even with the, the upgraded brake package. Well, I don't have that. It's 20K. I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm a cheap ass in that, that space. For 20K, it's just not worth it for me. To, there's mm. no there's no possible reason why anybody needs to break from 278 to 200 really fast. And of course, you do rallies. But at that point, I just keep my distance a little bit. And yeah, man, the braking is just horrific. It's a very, very scary place to be in this car. Going it's fast. a heavy car and things like to keep doing what yeah. they're already doing. So to slow yes. down a heavy car needs a lot, like a lot of brake. Yeah, the brakes are just not good. I changed the brake. I changed. I did a bunch of mods to it to try to tighten the brakes up. But yeah, you spend yeah. a lot of money on the on the car. Um, what is great about it though, man, is it's comfortable. The seats are good. You have obviously you have all the tech. It's unique because you have the you know you have the yoke steering wheel, so it looks like a little bit. It looks a Formula One steering wheel. It's not yeah, a round steering yeah. wheel. It's a wake, right? Um, you're you're always you're always connected, so everything everything kind of goes through the car. It's very easy to start. I can. Here's the cool part about it, man, is that when I when I want to charge up, if I know I need power. When I'm going to a place, I know exactly where I'm stopping, and I know when I show up there how many plugins are ready for me, and I know how much I can do to my next destination. So it, it pre-programs certain things, so I'm not guessing. If I get into the G wagon, I got to drive to Toronto, and I'm leaving right now. It's it's this time. The G wagon doesn't tell me when to get there, when to leave. It doesn't tell me what gas I have right now. But this Tesla will. It'll say leave right now. So I get in the car. It'll tell me exactly where I have to stop. It's going to make sure that I have a spot for me when I arrive. I plug it in and I can. Oh, it'll my reserve a, a charging spot for yeah, you. Yeah, this one will. Yeah, so that's interesting. It is, man. It's it's when you spend the big dollars, you get kind of that that little interface piece. But it's it's just the car rips. Like if the car didn't rip, I'd be like, what a waste of money. And I, I mean, you can ask Ian, who's my film partner. Mm. I hate the way this car looks. I mean, it's not a sexy vehicle at all. I was it's the only good-looking Tesla, though. Like, if you look at the Tesla lineup, the I rest know. of their cars look like ass. Like, they're <laughs> not good-looking cars. It's so, it's so ugly. It's the so S is ugly. the only good-looking car in the lineup, oh, in my opinion. Dude, man, it's so ugly. You know, sometimes I feel like I. Sometimes I feel when I have this thing, I'm like. I'm like, I'm trying to justify what it is. I'm like, they'd be like, oh, nice Tesla. They're like, yeah. they're like, oh, I went for a ride in my friend's Tesla and it's fast. And then I'm like sitting here, I'm like, okay, do I even try to waste my time? Kind of like, negotiate. yeah. And I'm like, well, I got the best, best of the world. Like I'm a cool guy. Like, yeah. do I even waste? I don't even bother. Like why even, you know? So then I'm like, that's, it's hard, man. Because like, I am a realist. I think like a realist. I'm like, I don't like the, sh I don't mind the chauvinistic stuff because I understand how it works coming from Dubai and I understand how mm -hmm. it works here. And I under how, understand how eyeballs want to see materialistic items. They want to see this, like they want to see the cigar. They want to see the G wagon. They want to see the big house. The they want to see all that stuff. I, I yeah. get it. And I, I mean, that's what we kind of have. That's, that's, that's way better to look at than being a loser. Like there's no doubt. Right. So that's what you want to look at and be. But at the same time, I don't want to, I don't want to, eliminate or how do I say isolate myself from people that maybe can't afford it or people that, that just want to be like real humans and have proper conversations and stuff like that. Right. So there, there, we are being placed in silos on the internet and social media to be like, who are we? Are we all about the, the materialistic shit and looking good and all this shell on the outside or do we have some depth in, inside us? Right. So mm -hmm. I think that when all this stuff is standard around me, all I only really focus on is myself inside and putting what I have out there. Uh, and helping people and and just and helping myself, man, because I learn like when people when I'm helping somebody, they're helping me back. It's not like I'm just helping them and it's nothing for me. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I grow as well internally when I when I try to share that stuff. But but yeah, man, metrics metrics on YouTube, dude. I mean, I get we're like 40% US, we're like 20% Canadian, we're like all oh, I mean, there's like a list of like 140 countries or whatever that are that watch our stuff. Like mm -hmm. I mean, I have countries that I'm like, this is crazy. I can't believe I have that. And 
and the attention that I get is amazing, man, to be honest, like places I go, people recognize me and I'm not like a celebrity by any means, but if you're a car person, you've, you've definitely watched my videos, some of them mm -hmm. at some point. Like, I mean, you know, I think we have like 30 million views in total on YouTube in two and a half years, almost three years now. So that's a big number. So 10 million views, of, you know, in total over this course of the time per year is, is a big number. So when I go places, so I went to, when I was checking into immigration in Panama, um, I come up, the guy's like, he's like, you look familiar, YouTube? And I'm like, yeah. And he wants to take selfies with me. So I've been, I've been you know, like, and you get, and you get, dude, you, you get that for sure. You get that, right? So I got a funny story like, to tell you when you're, okay, yeah, you're, you're done with the so Panama. You, so, so it's like, it's like, okay. So I'm always trying to use this as leverage to help me and help them. So I'm like, hey, what kind of car are you looking for? If you're looking for a car, reach out to me anytime. So I'm like, I'm open. And in exchange, I'm like, hey, selfie. Next time I'm at the border, you know me, I know you. Not like I'm bringing shit in, but it's no. like, hey, we know each other. That's cool, right? I know somebody. Now I, I can name drop if I have to. I'm not a name dropper, but it is important at some point in your life to name drop for certain things. I mean, it's just part of business and part of growing as men and, and growing yeah. in society, right? So sorry, go ahead with your... Um, yeah, so I was um, I was coming from I was coming back from a rally a couple of years ago, and that's when I had the yeah. 720, and I was on the 407, right? right? And right. you know, there, there's a cop marked on ways, and I heard on the radios there's a cop here at this intersection, so I slow down to the speed limit, like you know, I just put on cruise control, 102 yeah. kilometers an hour. So of course, you know, the <laughs> cops there, and he, you know, he pulls up beside me, and he's looking at the car, and he's looking at my check, and he's looking at the car, and he pulls up forward, and he slows down, and he looks at the car, and then of course he comes behind me, and he turns on the cherries, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, all right, what does this fucking guy want? Now, I right? love so, the story. So I have my cell phone, and I just, you know, make a video, and I put it on my lap, and you know, the guy walks up to the car, and um, you know, he goes, hey, you know, can you roll up your window? And then he, uh, because he came on the passenger side, because it was on the highway, so I rolled up my window so the traffic wasn't bothering him. And, and he looks in the car and he looks at me, he goes, and he was foreign, right? He must've been like mm. uh, Slovakian or something, okay. maybe, you know, from Eastern Europe. And he goes, oh, you're the YouTube's guy, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes, cool, cool, all right. He goes, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, check out the car. He goes, you know, is your front plate on? I'm like, yeah, the front plate's on, you know, everything's there. He goes, yeah. okay, okay, be safe, thank you. And it's mm. like, you know, it's just a funny video to, to make, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you get yeah. a couple of these entertain, you know, like these entertaining moments. Yeah, man. What I, I always know, find I know, that's I know, I know. really, really interesting though is is everybody that I've met is always so friendly and kind. And it's like, you know, here, look, I got a super yeah. chat here on the screen. It's like yeah. standard, like, you know, I read your book, did the work, turn turn around my entire life, keep it up. You're invaluable to us young guys, blah, blah. blah. Like that's know, the sort of stuff that I, I get, right? I know, man. I know. I Dude, never I get the haters though. I <laughs> never get those 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 haters that are like you know they send you the nasty emails or they're in the comments they say your mouth looks like a cat's asshole or some shit like that because you trim your beard wrong those cowards never show up they never say no, anything to you dude no no, no 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 they don't they don't they don't they don't <laughs> uh it's hard hey, man you know what dude like i mean at the end of the day we're here to just be better right we're here to give love and, and be better and just trying to make other people better if we're not doing that better then i totally get the hate and, and that's not what we do so yeah a funny story about the cops though i did the same had the same thing i i mean i the great thing about my folks is they understand that i drive like a maniac i just always have i always feel like if you drive faster than everybody else then you're all, you're more alert if you roll back and you're sitting you're coasting well you're less alert and you're being distracted so for me it's yeah. about like just being assertive and aggressive most of the time as opposed to being like just defensive right so uh, i'm driving so anyways i get i was driving and i pulled over because there's so much traffic so i just kind of coasted a little bit and i just flipped my phone out i was on my phone and of course because you're seeing bumper to bumper and nowadays the technology these cars are so amazing you press two buttons press one button really and the car does its own thing you don't, you can just you can close your eyes and fall asleep so i was on my phone and i was in this i won't tell your car man, but i'm a pretty fancy car and uh next to me this, this cruiser comes he sees me and then he's he sees me on my phone and he sees my mom and then my, and we meet my mom both look right and we're like 
okay, this, uh, and then I look back and I drop my phone, like, you know, cause you're, you're not holding the same position. I just dropped the phone and I kind of like continue. Anyway, he pulls me over. Um, and the important part about this man is that when you get pulled over by the cops, the important part is really they're important as much as you're important. So don't always think about you. So the first thing that I tell everybody is something that I learned in the car business is that German cars have the gas cap on the right side for a reason. They're not the same size as the driver because when you are filling gas, when you pull over, you don't want to be filling gas the same side the trucks are coming. Mm-hmm. And that's the exact same concept with this police officer. He pulled me over and on the 401, so which is one of our major highways here in Canada. He pulls me over and he walks on the same side as all the trucks are coming. And I, the first thing I told him, I said, you're not safe standing there. Do you want to come talk to me on the passenger side? And he's like, huh? I said, you're not safe standing there. Do you want to move over to the passenger side? And he's like, oh. And then he walked over and he put that down. And he looked, he's like, that was the first time anybody's ever cared about my safety. Mm. So what do you think happens next? Obviously, there's no point continuing the story, but you know yeah. the deal. So I no, drive away, whatever. Everything's good, right? So I think it's just about always kind of giving back and kind of understanding what what people's positions are and not thinking about yourself, you know? So that's what, that's really what part of this, like I, back to the IDU thing quickly, the IDU thing of me coaching all these guys is I have, I have some real superstars under 23. And now my brain is like, okay, I've, I was in a position when I came to Canada at 17 where I had no friends. And I was like, I was like put in whatever groups that would just accept me just to stand around. Nobody cared about my story. Nobody, nobody cared about anybody's story in these groups, you know? So I felt, and it's not about like the immigrant star goal. No, it's not about that shit. It's just about, it's just about affecting and maybe changing what society doesn't offer it. So for me, cause I have winners between 21, 20 years old, some are 19, but 20 years old and 24 years old. I, and I've spoken at high schools before, uh, just in classes, nothing big. I thought, you know what, man, I want to put something on. I want to be able to put on a situation where I can rent an auditorium. And there is one now that I'm going to get that fits 980 people. And I want to fill it with kids between 14 and 17. And I want to bring up these kids that are 20 and 20 to 24 on that part of my little team here. And I want to explain to these kids, man, there is a life. There is a path for you. It's not like you only, like, cause when I was growing up, it was just like science or arts. They're like, these are your two choices. And I'm like, but that doesn't fit anything about me. Mm. And I know that the world is more open now in terms of what they educate kids with, but there's nothing to train young kids that see other kids that are just a little bit older than them winning. And these kids will share their path. So now in terms of like what I want to bring up, that makes me fulfilled like crazy is to know that I'm making these, I'm giving these 21, 21 to 24 old year old men, a platform that they can actually inspire younger kids to actually be better themselves. So I just want to be the curator of stuff, right? So that's part of my little thing. So that's a real big, big win for me. And I'm hoping to do it sometime in 2024. <clears throat> the other part of it is part of doing all this stuff now. So there's a, there's, there's a, there's some levels to this game here. So remember we talked about the Columbia and the house tours and, and me doing my land. So I got the six acres and I'm, and I've kind of walked everything really far down. So I've spent 40 K to get the architects to design every single piece of this land you know, all the cabins that I'm doing, like the, you know, like the wedding event center and because there's an event center there, event center, all the other cabins, the walkways. What is this, some kind of a compound lights. that you're building? Um, well, it's, it's what I do, man, is I don't commit to building it. I commit to what it's going to look like and give me all the in- options I need and information. And then I will make a decision. The other mm. part of it is, hey, what if I sever all these lots and I sell all the lots to high end homes? What happens if I take this and I just build cool tree houses that are that that have like a lower cost of entry for these people, not just luxury cabins? So mm. do I build these luxury cabins? Go find half the money. I got half the money. You know, I mean, it's a pretty big number to to build all these tree like houses are to Airbnb and sort of rent out. Yeah, and, and same with these luxury cabins, they'd be yeah. Airbnb. And then do I build a mastermind house instead? So do all these things going in my mind. So what I do with, with this education thing that I have is I take these guys from Canada, which is part of like my little circle that I have here. And I take guys and I'm like, hey, come to Columbia to make them 
build and work and understand their, themselves. But at the same time, I'm using humans for my network there. When, they, when I show up there and I take these 10, 10 dudes every three months, and I take them and I show them to, you know, to, to builders and I'm bringing them to guys that are invest. I bring them to my contact there. Those contacts are looking at me and saying, oh my God, this guy's crazy. Every three months, he's bringing 10 guys to us. That is a pretty big number to bring from a foreigner coming in that's dedicated to your country. So that's now right. my, my credibility and my strength improves from those individuals that look at me saying, hey, this guy's making a difference to us because he's giving, giving us exposure. He's making sure that we're in the right path. He's bringing us different perspectives because he's got 10 different perspectives. And I bring quality dudes with me to these countries. Also, at the same time, when I'm going there, I get experience. I, so I have a full-time girl that works for me in Colombia, and she coordinates and she master she master plans everything. So now I'm spending money with a with a limo, and I you know the guys arrive, we get in the limo. Now I'm spending money to have the same consistent limo. I have the same I have the same houses that I that I use the same guys that we have full security. I have everything all lined up because now I have a business of a tourism game, right? So now I'm taking people there in conjunction. I've spent money. So I know how banking works. I have all the contacts on what to buy. I know how to, because I'm doing my stuff on my own land. I'm taking all that content and all that experience and I'm coaching guys in that space. So right now where I stand today is I'm in a position and I've, I've spent two and a half years of my life kind of understanding how Colombia works. I'm in a position where if somebody wants to move from North America to Colombia and knows nothing about it, no matter what level they're at, I want to be an investor. I don't want to invest into Colombia. I want to be a, a guy to move to Colombia with my family. I have those people understood. And I'm not a Colombian sitting in Colombia. I'm not an American sitting in Colombia. I'm a Canadian sitting in Canada, which means you have direct access to me on everything I have here. So you know that I'm not full of, not full of shit. Mm. You're not that I'm sitting there trying to sell you something. I couldn't give two shits if you buy anything or not. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to educate you. And the main reason behind that is because now I build my network and I build people that are loyal to me because I've helped them. I will your never network say no. is your net worth. You know, we've said this many baby. times. Um, you know, so I've got kind of like my spiel, but okay. I've got a podcast I'm, that I got to hop on. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Where I'm being interviewed. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to take five minutes and wrap yes. up real quick with one yes. last question. So Mike, sure. uh, roofer, YouTuber, uh, car investor, uh, car fucking guy, rally guy, Columbia guy. guy. Just a you guy. got a lot of shit going on. Um, look him up on Instagram via his name and you know, follow him yeah. there and follow his YouTube channel. It's got the Canadian flag next to it. Yeah. Last Canadian question flag. for you before we go. And go. I got less than five go. minutes to do this. There's yeah. a chapter in my book where I talk about how every man at some point should own a motorcycle in his life. Yeah. You just bought a BMW R1000 RR. I was actually looking at that bike earlier this year. I was thinking, oh man, I miss bikes. I want to get another one. I'm also looking at V-Rod <laughs> night rods. I don't fucking know where I'm going to get, where, where I'm going to store it. I just yeah. miss bikes. Sure, man. I get Does it. that resonate with you? Do you think a man should own a motorcycle at some point in his life? Yes or no? And you know, explain why. Yeah, I think I think if you can sit on the toilet and think, because most men do think on the toilet. So let's sit on the toilet and they'll think. Imagine that same experience, but doing it on a motorcycle where nobody can say anything to you and just viscerally your body, I don't know if that's even the proper word to say, but your body does something that you can't control. When you have that acceleration pulling you back all the time and you are in full control. Yes, 100%. And that, that, that dose of danger, it just, it's a whole different game. You feel in control. There's nothing that you can... Also, the other part of it is cost, right? To get into the cost of a motorcycle is a lot cheaper. Now, this BMW is fairly expensive from, from a bike perspective, but you can get any cheap bike to get in. The problem is that you still have to have maturity before you get behind the wheel. So even though you're, you're behind the bike and every man should have a bike for sure, there still needs to be some level of maturity because you are your life and death is right here. And that's really how you should run your life, right? You should run your life, almost a life and death, 
you should always be in like a mature controlled environment in your mind like your whole space has to be mature but you have to take risks and you have to do it from a cost effective standpoint and that's what motorcycles do they put you in a cost effective space where you can get that you know the adrenaline the acceleration the the cost of fuel maybe insurance is a little bit of a different factor but it'll give you it and also make you somewhat cool i mean you have all those pieces by getting a motorcycle it'll automatically give you that coolness you don't have to go shop for the perfect shirt you can just get on a motorcycle and you automatically feel cooler it's the dumbest thing but it's mm-hmm. not how how we feel how i've always personally felt you know yeah i agree and, and and the other thing about motorcycles man is it puts you in a community that's smaller with risk takers it's it's mm-hmm. crazy to say people that are generally on motorcycles now i will say obviously you get on a, on a on more of a comfort a luxury a harley it's still a community for sure maybe a little bit less risk taking but nothing feels like open air life it's like the convertible vibe right it's a convertible yeah. vibe. it makes you feel like makes you feel committed to it so so the so i'll quickly just end this with with this is that when i knew my son was being born i said i'm done i'm not driving a motorcycle it's too dangerous i'm worth too much money i'm too valuable to lose off this planet and i do not want to hurt this body now my son is 12 he's an adult i coached him the best way i could as a man but also understanding how to be humble how to care but always be driven but for me right now I feel like, man, I'm at this pace in my in my life where I still want that adrenaline. I do have fast cars, I do have great other experiences around me, but I feel like a motorcycle just is like one little tick on my mind. Where I feel like I was always into bikes, and now I'm bringing it back. So, call it what you want, midlife crisis. Call it like, hey, he's got the freedom to do it. But yeah. when I felt like when I was married, I just felt like I just didn't need to do it. But now I'm 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 super grateful that my ex left me. I'm like, yes, she left me. I'm free to do what I want. I still had freedom. Mm-hmm. But now it's like my own controlled freedom, right? It's like that comforting food that I'm by myself and I'm my own man. And I feel like, man, there's you nothing more in the world can, than a man. man. You only know when you know when you you know when you put your leg over that machine and strap on the helmet, you twist the <laughs> throttle with your right hand. You know, those that know know, those that don't, they just think it's it's too dangerous and it's a wrong recommendation. Mike, thanks so much for joining no me. Problem. Stay on for no a minute. Problem. Uh, I'm going to end the stream, guys. Leave a comment below. Do the thing. Thank all that guys. good stuff. Follow his channel. Blah blah blah. We'll see you guys soon. Peace out.